LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Nice to have your company. It's LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Gosh, it's hot. Gosh, it's hot this morning. Very warm everywhere, I think. Even though outside it's cold as we head into uh, winter wonderland. But uh, Leicester, very quiet. Three, mo- three mornings running. It's been quiet in Leicester Square. I can't quite work out why. Unless the nightclubs close, I think it's highly unlikely. But uh, normally there's people sort of being sick all over the place. But this morning it's actually quite pleasant. So you heard the speech with Obama. And uh, nobody's any the wiser. Nobody's any the wiser on what he's actually saying or what he's not saying. I mean, as far as I gather, he's not putting troops on the ground. Boots will not hit the ground. Uh, but they're going to be going for these strikes. But they're not going ahead with them yet. It's kind of, we might do it. He's got to go to Congress, and they'll get round to it eventually. I still think the the uh, the Russian idea is the best one. Just hand over your weapons, because you don't want to tangle with Russia, do you? Let's face it. And then hand them over, and then everybody be quiet. I don't know why we've got to have chemical weapons. We've seen the effect of it. We've seen the effects of, uh, of dead children in the papers and adults. Thousands of people have been killed just for inhaling this stuff. I don't want to get into a situation where we get involved in things like that. In fact, uh, we'd already decided, hadn't we? And the MPs decided we didn't want to get involved with Syria. But uh, we'll wait and see what Obama does. Uh, Michael Lavelle, in the clear, coming out of... I couldn't help thinking he swaggered as he came out of court, looking a bit sort of, you know, a bit sort of blokey, and then having already admitted he's an alcoholic, then saying, I think I'll go for a drink. And then when he was asked by the reporter, you know, will he be going back to Coronation Street? Coronation Street, ITV have issued a statement saying they're looking forward to chatting to him with a view to him going back into the street because he's been found innocent. So there's no reason. It's that his his celebrity star will need to be buffed up a little bit now because quite clearly, you know, mud, mud sticks and mud hurts in this business. And they'll be asking with Nick Ferrari later on this morning uh, whether or not these people should be anonymous. You know, there are certain people in this who are anonymous. We don't know who, well, people think they know who the, uh, who the other parties are, but they've got the anonymity. He should have had the anonymity because people wrote him off before. They were going, oh, must be guilty, must be this, must be that. And, uh, and then the, the jury decided otherwise because they heard a lot more of the case than we did. And in fact, the Daily, uh, no, the Sun today have actually uh, gone through some of the some of the questions which were which were put in in court, some of the things which she was alleging, uh, some of the other things, and and the bits that were that were thrown out again. I mean, the claim uh, she said the sex attacks began when she was six and finished when she was fourteen. The reality was she did work experience on Coronation Street, age fifteen, which he arranged to help her as she wanted to be an actress. And so you look forward to the claims. Um, uh, the, she, uh, I mean, she couldn't remember when things happened. But there again, I can't remember when things happened either. If somebody says to you, you know, where were you on the night of, you know, the 13th of December 1963? I wouldn't have the faintest. Probably here. Probably here. But uh, no forensic, no witnesses, no medical, no abuse pictures, no consistency. All in all leading to no evidence. And that's why the jury decided. I think it was fairly fast for a jury in that case. I think they were four hours deliberating. I'd love to have been on that jury. That must have been, you know, an interesting... When you see these cases, you only read the end results in the newspapers. And it does have a certain interest to this country, as we're obsessed with celebrity. People like celebrity. People like the idea that celebrities, you know, are as uh, as tarnished as the rest of us. They go out there and they do think They get drunk. They smoke, you know, 
I was like, I said puffy weed. I couldn't remember what I was thinking of then. They smoke marijuana. You know, they pick up girls in clubs. They have sex and everything. You know, they just do normal things. Cut them and they bleed. It's as simple as that. But then imagine if you are that big celebrity, which is Michael Lavelle. He's been in Coronation Street since, since time immemorial. And then all of a sudden allegations come to light and he's got to live through it. I mean, all he seemed to do most of the time was just go off to the pub again. You know, drink yourself into oblivion and forget about the fact that your life and people are talking about you because it's played out in the media. So, uh, here it is. His joy is he's found not guilty of 12 attacks. Each case that came up, do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. And they went through. Now, I don't know if it was a majority verdict. I've got no idea. I haven't read uh, much into the case on that one. But he must be a very happy man today. I think he wants to go on holiday, and then he'll come back. Uh, Strange enough, I, I was watching Corrie the other day, and Chris Fountain is still in it. So they've obviously not airbrushed him out, whereas Michael Lavelle, they, they kind of airbrushed out. They had to reshoot some scenes to make sure. But I, I, suppose, that I suppose the charges he was facing uh, were slightly more serious than the ones that Chris Fountain faced because he was just an idiot. Uh, he's on holiday. There's pictures of him in the papers today. There's also... I was, I was so wondering... I have to do this. I was, I'm going to do it later on. I might do it later on as well in the free podcast. Um, on, on Jedward. I, sorry, as far as I was concerned, Jedward's career is dead in the water. Absolutely, totally dead. You think there's still, there's still some life in the, in the Irish numbskulls? Uh, well, there is. Because uh, little, little Jedward, John and Edward Grimes, otherwise known as those two odd boys who have baths together and share a bedroom together and everything. It's all a bit worrying. But anyway, um, Wayne Rooney's cousin... Stephen Rooney. Now, he's hit the headlines before. He's an attention-seeking little fat show-off. He's changed his middle name to Jedward. And he's had a tattoo uh, of them. It just says Jedward on his arm because he's a bit thick. And he's on a programme called Superstars and Superfans. And so what it is, they actually find some some numbskull who'll go out there and pretend to be a superfan of Jedward. And so for the sake of, you know, because he's so desperate for a bit of work, and Jedward quite clearly are on their downers... This is the best that they can they can get. It airs on something called TLC. I don't even know what that is. I have no idea at all. But uh, you'll remember that Stephen is also a transvestite. Well, to be honest with you, I think he'll be anything if it gets him in the newspapers. He doesn't really care. Because he and his sister Natalie fell out with Wayne and Colleen when they appeared in a spoof TV show called The Roonies. I mean, he's just a silly, fat attention seeker who doesn't really do anything at all. But the worst-case scenario this week, the worst-case scenario, I'm afraid, your worst nightmares happening, uh, when I read that Gemma Collins has uh, decided to pose naked... I know. And she did say she was totally naked for the picture. Fat Girl Fat has decided to do it because it's for, for Petter. And uh, she says here, I'd rather go naked than wear fur. Well, to be honest with you, we'd rather you covered up, darling. I mean, it, it, I mean you, there is no answer to this at all. I mean, she really is just fat and bloated. She's tried to lose weight on the programme. She quite clearly can't. Now she's telling you that she hardly ever eats any meat at all uh, for this uh, thing. And then you look at this poor girl with this... I don't know what kind of hair they've stuck on her head. But there's a picture of animal rights activist Meg Matthews. Why is it that when they become activists, they kind of lose all sense of what to wear? You've never seen anybody look like an old bag lady in your entire life. Meg Matthews is married to... Isn't she one of... I can't remember who she is now. What's she famous for? Was she Noel Gallagher's wife? I don't know. But you look at her here. She's quite clearly just decided to let herself go. She can't be bothered anymore, you know, animals come first, kind of thing. But with Gemma Collins, unfortunately, I'd rather go naked than wear fur. It's hilarious, dear, but, you know, 
Why don't you try grow your own hair and sort of grow up a little bit? Until she'd actually posed for this photo shoot, she said, I didn't realise the extent of cruelty to animals in a lot of instances, proving she's as thick as a brick. I mean, good God in heaven, love, where have you been for ages? In other words, it's the only gig you can get at the moment, isn't it? There aren't any other gigs on offer. They're not, nobody's exactly clamouring for, uh, for your appearances on television, which is, a, which is a great shame. I do have something for you this morning. I do have something for you this morning. And, in fact, I'm going to tell you what it is in about uh, five minutes. I do have something for you. It's, uh, it was what I said yesterday, but I didn't tell you. Nobody guessed it, actually. Nobody guessed it at all. I was quite surprised. Some people thought I was having a sex change operation. Uh, other people thought maybe I was going to let my hair grow. <laughs> As if. And, uh, and, and somebody else wrote in and said, um, are, you sort of, uh, are you going to be sort of changing time slots? No, no, no. It's even better than that. Much better than that. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you about, about five minutes and then we, shall, uh, then we shall do it. All the papers this morning, as you know, because Duncan's uh, been through them. It's uh, because Obama hadn't done his speech at the time. The, the interesting thing is the male, who were generally not, not with celebrities at all, have said, as Coronation Street actor is cleared of child sex attacks, his furious family say he's the victim of a celebrity witch hunt. Why was he ever charged? Well, because people have to, and that's why we've got juries. And that's why our legal system is, I think, in my opinion, among the best in the world. I think it's fantastic. Because the, the jury listened to the evidence and they decided he was innocent of everything. But if somebody makes a claim against uh, an actor who's on television who's known to everybody, it kind of gets out there in the public place. And I don't know how it gets out there because all these things are supposed to be kept secret. But quite clearly, there are police officers out there who are tipping off journalists and going, by the way, we've just arrested Michael Lavelle. OK, up on, uh, up on charges. And then it gets out. Once it gets into one local paper, somebody will phone somebody and people get paid tip-off fees. I should imagine there's probably a lot of uh, police officers listening at the moment who have phoned or have friends in, in high places in Fleet Street. And they go and they, uh, and they sort of tell you about all the things, you know, that sort of go on. And when it's, when it's a celebrity, oh dear, Robbie Savage is addicted to hairspray. God, he's naff, isn't he? I don't like Robbie Savage. I don't even know who he is. He's a footballer, apparently. He's a former Wales international. And he said he gets through four cans of hairspray a week. Still manages to look like a troll. I don't know why, actually. I don't quite... I was, he's 38. He earned, he's uh, earned a reputation as a hard man. Bit of a wuss now, isn't he, really? Hairspray? Oh, dear, how girly. How very girly. Um, he, he refuses to crop his hair because he says it would show up his big nose. No, we can still see your big nose. We can still see that one there. And so... He tries to play down the uh, the disclosure and said, no, you must be talking about my mum. Uh, I don't think so. I think you are vain. Uh, I don't think you're particularly talented. You might be, you know, lovely on on the field, but frankly, as one of these naffs, every time he turns up, he goes, oh, God, not Robbie Savage again. Uh, Michael Lavelle and his family. I don't think anybody will be surprised, but I'm off for a drink now. No, nope, go for a drink now. And, um... And Carol McGiffin is hiding a sexy secret from her housemates. She has tempted men with raunchy pole dancing. She couldn't lift her carcass up a pole if her life depended on it. Apparently, she took up pole dancing to give herself greater sex appeal. No, dear, nothing. A head transplant, maybe, but, you know, it's not... There is no uh, no sex appeal at all. And then, apparently, she was so crazed with uh, lust, she put on a private display for Peter Stringfellow. She posed and gyrate. What a load of old cobblers, honestly. Carol McGiffin up a pole. There's a joke there somewhere, I should imagine. Uh, who's actually for the, for the chop? N- now the favourite to win is Abs, the most boring man under the entire sun. Nope, it's going to be Mario. It's got to be Mario, as far as I'm concerned. Get rid of uh, Lauren, Lauren Harris. 
a really peculiar person, very, very peculiar. And, uh, and the rest of them as well. Vicky Entwistle's not very nice. They're, they're all horrible. Have you noticed? They've all got issues and everybody just laughing like drains. The Victoria Beckham wearing this, this tent. It's the stupidest thing you've ever seen. Even she must think she looks like a dork. One of the papers said today, shouldn't you have it in your size, dear? And the answer is they don't make junior sizes in this, this ghastly creation. It really is the most frumpy-looking, ridiculous thing you've ever seen in your entire life. She looks like she's wandered to Glastonbury and sort of plonked herself in the middle of a tent and then gone off wearing it. It is the stupidest outfit I've ever seen. And uh, luckily, everybody else agrees, apart from a couple of fashionistas, but they're all barking mad, aren't they? Quarter past four. <laughs> Twenty past four. It's nice heavy company. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. And you're very, very welcome this morning. Yesterday, I said uh, we're going to do something this morning. I've since discovered we are the first the first radio programme, or the first anybody, to actually do this. We are the first... Pe- I'm, I'm so excited about the fact that I'm actually... I've been granted carte blanche to, to entice you, ladies and gentlemen, because you read about it yesterday, you've seen the pictures of it, we alluded to it on yesterday's programme, we said it was going to be very innovative. It is. It is the launch of the Apple iPhone 5S. This is the one with fingerprint recognition. We are the only programme in the entire UK to give away the iPhone 5S. And uh, we, uh, we bring you back the gadget giveaway for this morning to let you uh, in on what we've sort of hung on to for a little while now. It is fantastic. This new phone, faster than the previous version. Better camera, fingerprint scanner for extra security. It's going to change your life. And one lucky listener will win the brand new iPhone 5S today by answering this question correctly. Now, you need to listen very carefully because some people get confused and I don't want you to waste the call. I want to make sure that everybody's uh, entry gets through. Starting with the earliest, put these Apple product releases in order. A, the iPad. B, the iPod, and C, the iPhone. So starting with the earliest, put the Apple product releases in order. A, the iPad, B, the iPod, and C, the iPhone. To enter this competition, you text the word gadget, followed by your three-character ABC answer. So if you think it's ABC, you put down gadget, then A, B, and C, in that order, if that's the order you think that they were they were released, and then you send it to 848 5-0 before 6.30 this morning. You've got to send it to 84850, but you've got to put the word gadget in front of it. OK? So, starting with the earliest, put these Apple product releases in order. A, the iPad. B, the iPod. C, the iPhone. Text the word gadget, then your three-character ABC answer, and send it to 84850. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. For your chance to win, we are the first people to do it, the brand new iPhone 5S. Okay. So uh, good luck for that. I shall mention it a little bit later on for you, just to give everybody uh, an opportunity of getting in on it. So we are the first people, the first people, to actually give away the new iPhone 5S this morning on LBC 97.3. It's a nice prize, isn't it? I have, I'm going to have to go and buy one myself. I'm, I mean, I've already decided I'm going to have to buy one. It's going to have to be, you know, the little, the little treat before Christmas, I think. We might have, I, just, I just like the idea of fingerprint recognition, because that means it's going to be so much safer. 
No more worrying about passwords and this and that. You just literally put your finger on the little thing and it will recognise it. Deciding which finger to use, I suppose, will be the key. I mean, they're fantastic technology. Isn't it absolutely unbelievable? Uh, 84850, somebody says, if only they had you on radio in America, the world would be at peace. But it seems so, so straightforward, doesn't it? It seems so straightforward. You know, well, that's, what we're, that's what we're hoping for anyway. Uh, getting married and getting married is... Uh, this is uh, Millie McIntosh, great-great-granddaughter of the Toffee King of England. Uh, th- again, they, they've sort of given her a tag, which is the uh, socialite heiress to the Quality Street fortune. She's not. That's just ridiculous. I mean, they just say that because they make it interesting. So they've said here, just wed the Quality Street heiress and the XECN drug dealer. And so they've looked at the people at the wedding. God, it was a naff selection. Her, her, her gang of badly dressed people. I mean, there was no, no quality here at all. And the, the groom's friends, again, looking slightly peculiar. And then some girl who had neck, arm and knuckle tattoos. Real class, isn't it? Real class. And um, whether they, they sent it, the only person they seemed to have was Lily Allen. There was no other celebrities there at all. But as I say, just being the Quality Street heiress, you'd think she'd have loads of friends, but they're so badly dressed. You look at the picture and you think, oh, dear me, where do these girls get these outfits from? Not one of them could pose, because all a bit haughty. All a bit like that. Uh, anyway, so Professor Green is now worth around a million pounds. It's not a lot, is it? Can he keep her in the style to which she is accustomed? Perhaps there's something, you know, I mean, every sort of social girl used to like a bit of rough, and I'm assuming he's her bit of rough. So Professor Green, uh, the wedding was held in Babington House in Somerset. Miss McIntosh, whose only claim to fame is that she appeared on Made in Chelsea, she doesn't actually have any other claim to fame, wore a vintage lace wedding dress, while Stephen Manderson wore a blue suit. Which is lovely. He's got a geeky smile. I'm sure they're desperately happy. A tattoo of the word lucky could be seen above his collar. It covers a scar where he was once stabbed with a bottle. Oh, whoopee. So marvellous nowadays, isn't it? But uh, that's it. A drinker, an adulterer, but not a shred of evidence. He abused a child, Michael Lavelle, celebrating yesterday with a, with a pint. Probably actually quite a few pints, I should imagine. And looking forward to his return to Coronation Street, as indeed we all are. I hope it does it. The trouble is, it's a bit difficult at the moment, because his return to Coronation Street might overshadow the fact that Haley's dying. You know, and I, I mean, I, and so I don't know whether they're going to say, listen, I tell you what, do it after Christmas. Let's bring you back after, after Christmas. Because it has to be done. They can't just go, oh, look, Kevin Webster's back in the garage. I don't know where they, they've said he is, but they're going to have to do some, uh, some writing fairly quickly to get him back in there, but they can't overshadow Haley, who is dying uh, with Roy at her side, and we're getting some good acting. I think we're getting some very good acting uh, on that one, and it's, it's going to be sad. Uh, show your faces or leave, a college has told students wearing a full veil. Teachers and parents wearing the niqab, which covers all but the eyes, were told they must show their face will be barred from the campus buildings. This is uh, Muslim students, one of Britain's largest higher education colleges. Oh, absolutely. It's just ludicrous. You don't go into college wearing these at all. There's no, you know, it, it's just, it doesn't say anywhere. You have to be covered up. It doesn't say anywhere like that. But apparently, many of the uh, students at the college claim the policy discriminates against their religion. No, it doesn't. Grow up for good. What's the matter with people nowadays? You know, it doesn't say anywhere. You just have to be modestly dressed. We've got a college in, uh, in, in Twickenham with lots of, of Muslim students. But they can ban headwear. I was told off for wearing sunglasses going into casino the other day. Which I think is, is rather strange, isn't it? Because, let's face it, most people sit around a poker table with sunglasses on. I've seen them on the television. But the bloke said on the he said uh, he takes sunglasses off. 
So I said to you, I said, I'm half blind. I thought that might, that might kind of work. It didn't really. It didn't. But uh, it was one of those sort of things, actually, that you sort of say that once, don't you? And then you sort of think, oh, I wish I'd never said it. Wish I'd never said it. Um, who's this? Uh, Mary Portis. Last night accused of misleading Parliament about a television fee. She received half a million pounds. Her evidence to, uh, to MPs last week... If I was getting £500,000 for Channel 4, I'd be a happy woman. I'm not. I'm surprised you listened to the Daily Mail, Mr Mr. Danzuk. But never mind, I don't, let, I don't get that money, let me tell you. That's what she said then. Now what she says is my contract with Channel 4 covers two years with a requirement to make 20 episodes in total and amounts to £500,000. Stop telling fibs. Honestly, dear me. You'd think that... Oh, Marmite. A Marmite mystery. The price has dropped. It's now to three pounds. Are people going off Marmite? Do you think people are not eating Marmite? I'm, I do know that if you have a jar of Marmite, it seems to last forever. It never seems to go down. You know, you take a bit of Marmite out, you go back the next day, it's full up again. It's like the uh, never empty, never full kind of situation. Uh, because I couldn't eat that, uh, that much Marmite. I've had, a, I've had a jar in the cupboard for about the past four years. The reason it's in there is, uh, unfortunately, a little bit of... A little bit of Marmite leaked out, and it's, it's now set the jar, and you need to get a hairdryer out to actually, uh, to actually clear it up. I bought some Christmas chocolates yesterday in Costco. I was very pleased about that. They've actually got lots of... It's a box of chocolates. I was going to give them to the producer. I thought, nah, fat enough. And, um, and they, they've got little uh, Father Christmases and all little... All, with all chocolate... They're, they're nice, aren't they? You know what I mean? They, no, it's, it's for, for people who appreciate the finer things in life. And you've already eaten three Bourbon biscuits this morning. That was the only the ones I counted in your hand when you came down earlier on. I said to you, I, said, I, said, I bought a packet of Bourbons, you know, because I like to Rupert Barty's on, and he likes, a, he likes a Bourbon, and some custard creams. So it was two packets for a pound in Iceland, which I thought was a bit of a bargain. And I said to them, I said, listen, you know, you, you can have one if, if you want. I'll, I'll put them on my desk. Well, honestly, he walks down here with my cup of tea, and he's clutching a handful of Bourbons. You know, there are people starving in this building, and he's taking their lifeline, effectively. But they're quite nice, but, but he eats them in a peculiar way. You know, like most people, just put a biscuit in their mouth and bite it. No, he separates it. So we separate, so we've got a piece of biscuit, and then we've got the biscuit with the little fondanty stuff on it. And he sits there eating it like a seven-year-old. It's the most awful thing I've ever seen. It's as bad as somebody eating a marshmallow, where they take all the chocolate off the top, you lick all the chocolate off, and then just eat the marshmallowy bit. It's like those little things. I can't remember what they're called now. It's a swirl of icing on a, ti- a tiny little round biscuit. Ice gems. And it's like somebody there taking off the ice gem bit and then saving the biscuit for later. Pathetic, it really is. It's LBC 97.3. On the day Obama makes his speech, on the day that Michael Lavelle gets his freedom, and on the day we're the first people in the country to give away the brand-new iPhone 5S. More details in the next part of the Steve Allen Early Breakfast Show. Time now, 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 28 minutes to five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast show. Let me tell you a bit more about the uh, the new iPhone. Same size as the iPhone 5. This is the 5S. Um, still operating system. New Apple iOS 7, new look icons, email and camera operation, uh, wraparound polycarbonate plastic body, case sits on a steel frame, which doubles as the antennae. Uh, The A6 processing chip promises blazing fast performances. 
New high-definition front-facing camera for FaceTime video calls. I love FaceTime. It is so fantastic. You could just have so much fun with people. I always say to them, I'm just getting in the bath. And so I've always got the camera with me in the bathroom. I think it adds to the interest. Uh, Ten hours talk time on 3G networks. I mean, I don't know when Earth has ten hours on the phone. Actually, my neighbour Lynn could probably have ten hours. Uh, Ten hours of web browsing on Wi-Fi and 4G mobile networks. Eight hours on 3G networks. Up to ten hours of video playback and 40 hours of audio playback. Fantastic. And we're the only programme in the UK to actually offer one today. So on the day that uh, Apple launched it, we're launching it on this programme as well. So the uh, gadget giveaway is back from its summer holes. And all you need to do to get your hands on it is to be picked out, but to know the answer to this question. Starting with the earliest, put these Apple product releases in order. A, the iPad. B, the iPod. Or C, the iPhone. To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your three-character ABC answer. So if you think that's the order that they came out of the earliest, then you put down ABC, and you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. We play across the LBC network, full terms and conditions, online at lbc.co.uk. That's to get your hands on the uh, the new iPhone, the 5 S and there's uh, details in in all the papers today of it and how wonderful it is. Uh, I see that the new editor of Newsnight has had to write a grovelling apology to Labour for describing a front betcher as boring snoring to his 26,000 Twitter followers. Ian Katz is only in his second week in charge of the BBC Two flagship news programme, but could face a boycott by Labour MPs. Anyway, he, in- he intended his scathing remarks about senior Treasury spokesman Rachel Reeves to be a private reply to a colleague who praised Monday's edition, but it was visible to thousands of Twitter followers. <laughs> Rising star Miss Reeves, apparently who'd just been interviewed by Jeremy Paxman, sarcastically tweeted back, thanks. Oh dear, obviously hurts quite a great deal. Senior colleagues demanded an apology and even threatened to boycott the programme just ahead of the party conference season, which, of course, they wouldn't, because they're so desperate for the publicity. Mr Katz, former deputy editor of The Guardian newspaper, replaced Peter Rippon, who left last year. Mr Rippon, now his uh, now infamous decision not to run a report about Jimmy Savile's paedophile past after the TV star's death left Newsnight embroiled in controversy. They can't get it right, can they, on Newsnight? They really can't. He actually uh, texted, except for boring, snoring Rachel Reeves... Playout was fun, though, wasn't it? Telly, much better than snooze papers. And then Rachel Reeves went, thanks. <laughs> Nobody's got a sense of humour now, have they, really? Nobody's got a sense of humour. It's a bit of a shame. Anyway, he's had to uh, had to write a grovelling letter of apology. You can just see another editor being, being we- sort of weaved into the programme. Kevin Webster apparently is visiting his father, who's seriously ill, in Coronation Street. So that's or a sick uncle. So Karen said he could actually go back any time. Yeah, I mean we don't want him to go back too soon, not to overshadow Haley, because it will. Because the moment they say, "Oh, you know, you'll see him," because wait a minute, what are we up to now? We're up to September. Well, he's not in now. Even if he goes back end of September, it's six weeks before he will appear, because they're six weeks backwards. But as I say, I saw Chris Fountain on air the other day. I was I was a bit shocked actually, thinking, "What on earth is he still doing on there?" And then I suddenly realised that they're not uh, they're not actually taking him off screen. They're just suspending him at the moment. Uh, Sadie Fox, who gave birth to twin girls yesterday by C-section, says Peter the cabbie. So there you go. Sadie and twin girls. That'll be a nice bit of expense for Christmas, won't it? Just what you need, isn't it? What are we having? Twins. God, blimey. Just after 
Attenborough the other day said that we shouldn't have big families in this country, which, of course, is something I completely disagree with. I think we should have huge families, provided you can afford to pay for them, provided, you know, you can actually you know, look after kids. And I, I like the idea. I wish I was one of about ten. I wasn't. But I, but I wish I was, actually. Uh, I might go for a drink, goes uh, Michael Lavelle, celebrating with a pint. I thought it was very quick deliberation. Very, very quick deliberation. Four hours. They, they must have been fairly uh, fairly certain of what they were doing. Uh, more revenge here. This is the slaughter at a holiday villa. A Turkish gardener loading eight shells in a pump-action shotgun kills his British lover, then shoots her mum and son after a row. What's the matter with it? Where do they get these guns from? Is it that easy? I suppose it is, actually. You just go out and, and you can pick up a gun. Uh, apparently a teacher put on the sex offenders register over an affair with a 17-year-old pupil is now living with him in a home. Epi Sprung Dawson lost her job and her marriage ended after police found her half-naked with Matthew Robinson in a car after a Christmas school dance in July. She pleaded guilty to sexual activity. And, uh, anyway, he's now 18 and he's moved into a house after he left home after a, a row with his mum over tidying his room. His mum, Cherie, said he rang Epi to pick him up. We don't know what she's after. Well, I think we know exactly what she's after. <laughs> Not that stupid. Anyway, she's serving a, uh, a community order. It's an amazing name, isn't it? Epi Sprung Dawson. Have you ever heard of such a name? I thought, I thought some people around here have got odd names, but Epi Sprung Dawson. She was unavailable for comment at her home the other day, which is uh, interesting. Poor old um, Victoria Beckham looking like a tent on stilts. The most ridiculous dress you've ever seen. If that's what they call fashion designing, I'd give up now. Don't forget, uh, don't forget your flu vaccine. They're going to start doing those now. I've got a, an appointment next, next Saturday, I think. And um, some good news and some bad news. This is, uh, the sad news is that Will I Am died. It's a, it's a strange story, this one. Uh, he's going to be talking about his death today. Panic not. The good news is he came back to life. Uh, he didn't listen to his mum's advice when he was younger and decided to take a, a quick dip in a pool despite not being able to swim. And proving that mother really does, does know best, little Will ended up drowning and had to be resuscitated. And so on CNBC tonight, he's going to be talking about his dreary life. The most boring man in the entire world. The sooner he goes back to America and stays there, the happier I will be. Uh, Paul Potts, they've, they've made this film, haven't they? This biopic about Paul Potts' life. Nelson Dorma, Nelson Dorma. Taylor Swift went there, and uh, it's, I forget, James Corden, I think, is playing Paul Potts. I don't know whether or not it's, it's going to make any difference. Anybody interested in Paul Potts' story? I don't know. Uh, Cara Delevingne on Cash and Catwalks. She says, I'm done with boys. All they care about is their willies. Strange thing, isn't it, to sort of say about boys? Saying we don't actually see you with boys ever, really, Cara. We see you sort of draped all over. She's got a sister called Poppy, who's far more attractive. Cara Delevingne, sorry, has, um, you know, I suppose loads of loads of catwalk jobs. But uh, we're going to be as bored with her as we are with some of these other models. You can always tell when they get sort of a new, you know, a new agent or they get a new PR, because all of a sudden you're bombarded with sort of stories about them doing this, coming out of here, going into there, and doing this, and then dropping that, and then picture with their arms round, then at the V Festival. Uh, 84850. Jack says, Kevin Webster will be quietly killed off, and Michael Bell will do a few interviews. No, he won't. No chance. No chance. No, no, he's been there for, I forget, I forget how many years. Oh, no, he's, he's definitely going to be there for ages. He'll, he'll be going, he, he will be in there. He will be doing interviews. His agent will be, at the moment, I should imagine, 
negotiating to go with a Sunday paper. And uh, there'll be a furious bidding war for it. Because it's, it's a high-profile actor. The story is of interest to everybody. So, oh no, the, an ITV wouldn't dare do anything like that. Oh, blimey. Uh, staff at a, a Sainsbury's store should have been toasting a lottery win. Uh, unfortunately, a greedy boss kept the payment secret so she could keep it all. Susan Meekin, apparently, who ran the syndicate on behalf of 71 colleagues. 71 people. You've got to win some money. Anyway, they, they picked up £4,500. Not exactly a lot. I don't know what £4,500 divided by 71 is. Can we find out? Work that one out very quickly. I mean, it's certainly not a lot. Anyway, uh, she was caught... And she used it to, to pay her gambling debts. I mean, so four and a half thousand quid between 71 people. And she wore, how much? 63 quid. Hardly worth bothering, is it? I'd, I'd have said, no, listen, keep mine. I, I, don't, I don't really want 63 pounds. I'm not that desperate. Anyway, she was handed a, a 12-week prison sentence, suspended. And uh, they've ordered her to pay the group all the winnings. She admitted stealing 300 pounds from a customer when the cash was accidentally left at a self-service till. Oh dear, she's not very good at all, this one, is she? Not to be employed by Sainsbury's. Anyway, uh, she cashed 500 out of this this cheque. Uh, I think 83 million ones are for that week, and all they got was 4,500 quid. Uh, what she did, uh, says one of the people in the syndicate, was, was absolutely outrageous. But you do get that. It, it does come down to money, doesn't it? People are very... Take it, I mean, it's, it's that old argument which we've had time and time again on LBC, and you can turn on programmes all around the world. It's if you found a bag in the bottom of your garden and you didn't know what it was, it was sort of hidden in, a, you know, in between brambles, and you took it out, and inside were bundles of £50 notes, would you keep it? And the answer is, of course you would. Of course you would. What you do is you'd make sure it wasn't attached to anything that was going to spray you with coloured dye. Because you can get sprayed with what they call smart water now. You don't see it, but it covers you and it stays there for ages. So they could always tell if you've opened up uh, a package of money. But, I mean, the, the truth of the fact uh, of the matter is that if people found money in the bottom of their garden or by the side of the road... If you found a purse by the side of the road, you'd look in it, wouldn't you, to start with, to see if there was a name and address... And then some light-fingered people would take the money out. You see, I would never take money out of a purse. Because I would think that might be... You know, it could be the producer falling on hard times. You know, it might, might be his last his last £10 in the whole wide world. And so I wouldn't ever take that. Well, I might take out 10 and put in a 5, and then he wouldn't remember what, what note he had in there to start with. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I, w- I wouldn't... I, w- I would hand that in. But if I found bundles of £50 notes, I don't know what I'd do. I might have to actually think about that. That might, might take a bit... Because it, you don't know until you're actually in that situation, do you? You don't know until you're in the situation of what you would do with it. Would you sort of keep it and think, God, there's a load of money here. But is it, is it marked? You know, they've got all these bank numbers down, and the moment you hand one in, alarm bells are going to start ringing. Because that's what people do with fake £50 notes, isn't it? If people are making fake £50 notes, then they, they go out and they put them into little corner shops and stuff like that, because they want to break it down. They want to break the money down. I was with somebody the other day, and they bought a pair of fake Ray-Bans. Okay, fake ray which they sell at the market. They sell them all over the place. £15 a pair. You would not know that they weren't real. They come in a box with a barcode. You open it up. It's got the, uh, the, the, the leather pouch. For, well, it's the plastic pouch anyway with all the Ray-Ban things for keeping them in there. They, they come sealed in plastic. They've got all the, the, the attached labels on. They've got the Ray-Ban logo on the side of the glasses. They've got the glass cleaning cloth with Ray-Ban. They're absolutely perfect. You know, years ago, they might have spelt it wrong. You know, R-E-A, 
ban or something like that. But now they're so perfect, people cannot tell the difference. And I looked at it and I thought, I said, how much was that? He said, 15 quid. And I said, but they look so perfect. I mean, I would never advocate anybody buying fake things, but I know some people, if, if you can't afford the real glasses, the real ones would probably cost you anywhere between 90 and 150 pounds. So for 15 pounds, nobody... And also it means... And the argument was, this, this person I know who bought them, he said, if I lose them, I've only lost 15 quid. He said, let's go and buy another pair. I said, well, I'm actually quite careful with my Ray-Bans. I've got about 10 pairs. Um, so, you know... <laughs> I don't really want to lose them at all, actually. Uh, 84850, Tony Romford says, now that the Corrie actor is not guilty, surely that means the other party were like. No, but that isn't, that isn't how it works in the court. What they do is they go into court, they, they present their evidence, and the evidence was that they didn't have anything to sort of make it stick against him. So, consequently... Um, and yet, that, if you remember with Michael Lavelle, it came up twice, this one. First of all, there were talks about him... Uh, being questioned by the police, and then nothing happened. And then this girl apparently went back and said other things, then they went, OK, we have to follow it through. Because they have to do that. If somebody goes into a into a police station and says, you know, I was attacked by so-and-so who's in Downton Abbey or whatever it happens to be, then the police have a duty to follow it up. I think secretly they actually quite like it if it's a celebrity, if it's somebody important, if it's somebody that they can you know, put in the newspapers. And they generally put them in the newspapers so that other people come forward. And that's generally how it works. If ever you see somebody's name in a, in a newspaper who's, uh, who's on some, uh, some trumped-up charges, whatever it happens to be, they're hoping that other people come forward. And so that's why I think there's a couple of other people recently whose names have been in the press, and then all of a sudden they found more names. Whether or not they're, they're telling the truth, I don't know. Until they go to court, that's how it's decided. What happens to the uh, the people in the Michael Lavelle case? I have no idea. No idea. Presumably, they still have anonymity, and that's the way it will stay. 14 minutes to five. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to uh, five. Lovely Anna is uh, leading a team of disabled models into the desert. Charity. Help for heroes. And she said, tell me if you really meant us to have tea again at Christmas. You know, Christmas is just around the corner, isn't it? I was saying to somebody the other day, I said, this year has gone by like that, really, really fast. One minute, I mean, I've started buying Christmas things now. I bought Christmas chocolates the other day. I've got my mince pies. I've got the uh, Christmas pudding. And uh, I've got about six boxes of Christmas chocolates in the car. I should really check the sell-by date. I don't want them to expire at the end of the month. But, uh, yes, lovely idea. It was lovely tea. We had a very nice tea with Anna. In fact, it was very, very... The food was delicious. It really was very, very nice. We liked that a lot. If you've just woken up, it's nice to have a company. Don't forget, we're the only programme in the country to offer today, ahead of everybody else, the brand-new iPhone, the 5S, the one that you will see in all the newspapers today. This is the one with the fingerprint recognition, as revealed exclusively on LBC 97.3, and you can get your hand on it. You can win one of these phones. I have one to give away today, but you need to know the answer to this question to start with and then be picked out. Starting with the earliest, put these Apple product releases in order. A, iPad. B, iPod. C, iPhone. So put them in the right order. If you think the order I read them out is the, is the right order, you put down A, B, C. You text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your three-character A, B, C answer. And then you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. 
Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Don't think it can't be you, because it could be. Today could be your lucky day. Today could be Lucky Wednesday. Two key events that led Michael Lavelle to court left the Crown Prosecution Service desperately fighting allegations last night. They had engaged in a celebrity witch hunt. The actor was initially arrested uh, in September 2011 by Greater Manchester Police before being told three months later the case was dropped due to lack of evidence. You know, Now, we all remember that bit. That was the bit that we went, oh, goodness, and then they went, no, it's been dropped. And he, he's relieved. He goes back to work, assuming that the alleged victim's evidence had been analysed and dismissed. Even when she remembered more incidents the following Easter, the Crown Prosecution Service did not charge Mr Lavelle as they lacked any medical, forensic or computer evidence or witnesses. After a third interview with the girl in March 2012, so last year, apparently it was decided again that no action should be taken. But last October, the CPS and the police were blasted with claims of bungling and complicity over Jimmy Savile. It was then that the CPS's Northwest chief, Nazir Afsal, agreed to charge the TV star Stuart Hall. Both events prompted then a review of Michael Lavelle's case and the actor was re-arrested and charged in February. Conscious of the public cynicism of recent celebrity arrests, Eleanor Law's QC prosecuting felt the need to admit to the jury, you may think, what is this all about? Is there some kind of witch hunt? Michael Lavelle now joins exonerated celebrity Jim Davidson as a star forced to see his reputation tarnished by false allegations of sexual assault. And Nick Ferrari will be talking about this this morning because there are now calls to protect the identity of people accused of serious sex offences. Because there will be... You remember that ridiculous scenario down in Portsmouth some years ago where people on a council estate torched the house of a paediatrician because they thought paediatrician was paedophile. They were so stupid. And so now it means, you know, I mean, sex allegations. I mean, even the chair of the Bar Council has admitted that sex allegations carry such a stigma. And so the law needs to be changed to protect people. It protects the, the other people in these cases. You know, you don't see the, uh, the accuser giving interviews outside of court. They slip out via a back door and that's it. And meanwhile, Michael Lavelle has got to rebuild his life and, um, and try and get something back together again. But uh, he, has a, he has a long contract with Coronation Street and they will be welcoming him back because otherwise they'll be suing because, you know, he's been found not guilty. No evidence. So we go back to where we were before. Uh, Anna says, she says, poor old Posh Spice. Did she really look so ghastly? You have to look at the picture of what she's... It's the most ridiculous outfit I've ever seen in my entire life. It's not even flattering. The material is wrong. If it's supposed to be, I understand skirts coming down and then billowing out a bit at the back, a bit, bit sort of like a wedding dress has been cut off. That's what it looks like. But the material looks like it's come off a sofa. It's the wrong sort of material. I mean, it's just ghastly. It's almost a joke. It's like going along to the National Gallery and looking at some of these things. I mean, if, if you go to the Portrait Gallery just around the corner here, they've got an exhibition. I think it's the BP exhibition of all these. I mean, some of these drawings in there and these uh and they said they look like photographs they're so good there's a couple in there i said to a friend of mine i said are you sure that that that's um that sort of pen and ink he said yeah i said but it looks like a photograph they're so good and yet some of them are so rubbish some of them look like they've been done by three-year-olds see i never liked picasso he probably never liked me either but i mean i couldn't you know i sort of look at his pictures and i don't quite understand it so people say that's why you don't understand about art 
And we used to have Brian Sewell on LBC. We were Brian Sewell. We talked like this about art and all the rest of it. You know, a bit sort of, bit sort of arty-farty kind of stuff. And you look at some of the pictures, you think, no, I want a picture to look like the people. I want the picture. I was t- the, the producer's reading a book. It's, it's got big, big writing and it's not too many pages. But it's about Tudor England. And we've, uh, we've got as far, he's very excited, got as far as Henry VIII has died. Good news all round there. Fat, bloated old man, riddled with syphilis and everything else, I think, under the... Uh, but, I mean, he, but he's, he's still, you know, had all these wives, <coughs> who, many of whom he executed. And uh, then he had his, his troubles with the Catholic Church. But the, the queen that came after was Elizabeth I, who was loved by everybody. Everybody seemed to love her. She had a long reign. She was the most popular of the royals. And I was watching a programme on the television this morning where they were trying to identify a picture of her found in America as to whether or not it was, it was genuine 15th century or whether it's, it's just a copy because it shows her in an unflattering light. And nobody... You remember that ridiculous picture of the Queen, Her Majesty, that was done by somebody, which was just atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. And this was the same. And uh, Elizabeth I was apparently known for not wanting to see unflattering pictures of herself. But this picture was a bit unflattering. And I never got to the end of the programme and found out who it, who it was, whether it was genuine or whether it wasn't, because I had to come into work. And the other thing I need to find out is, later on this morning, I'm talking to Ray Mears who's the big boy scout, who goes out there and, you know, did the round moat thing and he does all these programmes on television. Now, I've done Bear Grylls and I've done... I, I will have done Ray Mears when I finish, but there was another guy as well whose name I can't remember. I thought his name was Ray too. And he did programmes as well where he went and, you know, camped with Amazon Indians and all that kind of thing. And for the life of me, I can't remember this bloke's name. All I know is he took his clothes off. Bear Grylls takes his clothes off as well for a lot of these... I don't actually see the point of that. But anyway, so he's, a, he's such a nice guy. We like Bear Grylls a lot. So I'm looking forward to talking to Ray Mears, who doesn't take his clothes off, but uh, does all the exploring and, you know, can sort of start a fire with two twigs and a, and a sort of pile of leaves, which is all very, you know, just a sort of the useful thing you want when you're in the Sainsbury's shopping aisle. But there was this other guy who went and talked to tribes, and all I remember is him jumping up and down. I think there's a tribe in Ethiopia. I think they're very tall. They all jump up and down. And this guy's also another explorer. He's done... St- no, it's not... It, I don't think it's Chris Parry. Bruce Parry. Oh, it might be Bruce Parry. What does he look like? Show me a picture of Bruce Parry. Oh, he's got a beard, has he? Has he always had a beard, or has he just grown it to sort of... It might be Bruce Parry, because I was talking about him this morning to a friend of mine, and I said he was really good, and all of a sudden, he's, he's disappeared. What if it's Bruce Parry with these, uh, with these tribes? Let's have a look. Is it... Oh, that's him. Yes, it is him. Oh, he's taking his clothes off. It's good Lord. Yes, he's sort of taking his clothes off as well. What, what is it with these people taking their clothes off? I don't know why they do. I must be an explorer. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, really? But he's actually, yes, very interesting. An award-winning uh, document maker. Is he a former Royal Marine, then? He's very good. But he, that's right. Tribe, Amazon and Arctic. Fantastic stuff, actually. Fantastic. I thought he lived in Ealing for some reason. I don't know why. But I was, I was talking about him the other day. He has his own um, company called Endeavour Productions. And he's done loads and loads of things. It was meeting these indigenous tribes, which I thought was uh, fantastic. But also, he's a, he's a born-again rational animist. What the God's name is that? What is an animist? An animist, a born-again. Um, he, he, he decided that he was raised as a Christian, but his experiences among the tribes initially led him towards a sceptical form of uh, pandeism, as opposed to pantheism. Either way, he makes some very good documentaries. Very, very good documentaries. So, anyway, that's, I just mentioned that in passing because I couldn't remember what he'd 
Blimey name was this morning, and he seems to have fallen off the radar. We haven't seen him around for some time, but uh, still very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. 84850, uk, And uh, don't forget, we've got our competition running this morning. You can be among the first people to actually get your hands on the Apple iPhone 5S. And uh, we're the only people in the country, I think, to actually be offering one as a competition prize. So it's got the fingerprint recognition, and you can only get it on LBC 97.3. Just woken up. It's nice to have your company. Uh, welcome along to the 11th of September as we race through this year. You know, before we know it, we'll be singing Deck the Halls with Bowers of Holly, and we'll all be sort of celebrating an old man with a white beard dropping presents down your chimney, which is all very exciting. But uh, ahead of that, we take the news at five o'clock this morning. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, every poor old posh spy, says uh, Anna. Uh, She did look uh, quite ghastly. She doesn't know how to send pictures. I don't know how to send pictures either. I've got no idea. Attach them in an email. Oh, right. Producer says attach them in an email. She says, I'm having no luck attempting to put them up on the LBC page. I don't know. I don't think you can do that. Just send it as, as, an, as an attachment, and then we can, we can open them here. That's, that's, that's generally how it works. But, I mean, you're asking the wrong person, I'm afraid, because I don't know how to send them either. I tried that before. I was taking pictures. And, uh, and then somebody said, oh, can you send me the picture of something? I was, I was out looking at chairs. And he said, send me a picture. I've got no idea what you're talking about. No idea. Until eventually I worked out on my phone... I'm going to get definitely the iPhone 5S, I've decided, because my one's quite old-fashioned now, but it still works. Uh, and I took a picture of the chair, and I was actually able to send it. In a, and then I thought, I'll tell you what's easier. It's easier to do FaceTime. You do FaceTime, and they say, right, I'm with, I'm with the chairs now, and sort of run your camera phone over the, uh, over the chairs. Uh, I met Ray Mears in uh, London last year. Be prepared, he's got one hell of a firm handshake. Well, he's a man who wrestles bears, doesn't he? So, I mean, I should imagine he's, uh, he's probably fairly butch. But he's got a, it's a funny thing is, for a man who doesn't want to talk about himself, who doesn't like talking about himself, it's a pretty weighty tome. It's a pretty weighty tome. So we shall, uh, we shall delve into his private life and uh, expose it all on LBC for In Conversation this weekend. Uh, front pages of all the papers, without exception, it's uh, Michael Lavelle. Had Obama's speech, I suspect, come in uh, a bit earlier, then they probably would have run with that. But they've gone, Corrie's Kev is cleared. And uh, it's over, says Michael Lavelle, and he just wants to get back to work. He said, I've lost two years of my life to this hell, but at last it's finished. Uh, he pledged it, even though he's been, uh, been exposed as an adulterer and, uh, and a man who's an alcoholic as well. He's admitted he likes going for a drink, but then that's an occupational hazard for a, a lot of people. He likes a drink and he's gone off there, and I should imagine that probably got him through the two years. But after the acquittal... And ITV have issued a statement saying they're looking forward to uh, talking to him to, uh, to get him back into Coronation Street as soon as possible. Which is, you know, where we left off, I suppose, some years ago. So now he will be going back in there and will be there. Um, will be there for some time. Uh, if you produce Corrie, would you welcome him back? Of course. Of course, absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's been found not guilty. Of course I'd welcome him back. Absolutely. With open arms and a huge bunch of flowers and a bottle of champagne in his dressing room. Absolutely. Without any shadow of a doubt. And in fact, they will probably do the same. The cast will will assemble and they'll clap him back into the programme. No doubt in my mind whatsoever of that. That's how they work up there. They're a very close-knit family. And it's not a cosy... If you think Coronation Street is a cosy family show, you're living on cloud cuckoo land. That's the one thing it's not. 
It was never that. It was it was a gritty northern drama. It was supposed to be a gritty northern drama. It's never been a cosy little family show. My God. I mean, cosy family show. I don't think so. <laughs> Some of the things going on there. Uh, fair bit of debate. Oop North, says Paul in Manchester, about uh, Michael Lavelle. Uh, we've been remembering two other soap stars acquitted of the same kind of charges. One, Peter Adamson, who played Len Fairclough in the street, who, it has to be said, would have been allowed back had he not gone against Granada and Bill Podmore's wishes and went to the papers with his story. We all remember he's dead now, but I remember that uh, that very, very well. And, uh, and the other actor from other side at Jet Pennines uh, was Ben Freeman, a lovely guy who you interviewed, totally cleared of this holiday rape, and despite that, never allowed back uh, YTV saying, Yorkshire Television at the time, they weren't renewing his contract for practical reasons, whatever that might mean. Still never fails to amuse me, says that certain reporters and viewers still fail to grasp the fact these people are actors playing parts, which the majority of the time are totally different to their real-life persona. Mr Cotton being the obvious exception. Interesting now to see what happens in other high-profile cases. By the way... He says, uh, it has to be stressed, have nothing to do with Michael's. Before you ask, Ben's in conversation, 19th of August 2009, still on the system and well worth a listen. This is Ben Freeman, who was in, uh, it was in, it was Emmerdale, wasn't he? Ben Freeman, we liked Ben Freeman, he came in and uh, chatted, so it's still on the system, but it, it could drop off. 19th of August 2009, so uh, well worth a listen. Thank you for that, Paul, very much indeed. I knew you'd know. Do you have a list of all the people that I've ever interviewed and all the dates, or is it up on the is it up on the podcasting thing? Does it list all the actors? You just and you can you can whiz through, can you? There must be hundreds by now, aren't there? If not thousands, I don't know. Over the years, you interview so many people, you don't uh, you don't sadly remember every single one of them. But I liked him. Uh, strangely enough, I'm, I interviewed a, a few people who'd had had brushes. I even did Kim Marsh from Coronation Street, who I couldn't stand. But, uh, but then turned out to be quite nice, actually, her book. And she was a very, very good interview. But my, my favourite interview has always been the, uh, the bloke who was the voice. Not, uh, not Tom Jones, the other one who had his throat operation and all the rest of it. And uh, him we liked as well. I'm interested to see what, what Ray Mears is going to be like today. I must, I must check out some other interviews and see what he's like in an interview. Because he's supposed to be quite shy. But most of these people who go off, I, I should imagine he's probably a bit of a loner. Most of these people who do this kind of thing are going to sit in the woods and talk to creatures. I mean, it frightens the life out of me. I couldn't do anything like that at all. Uh, Jackie says, morning to Paul's dad, Bill, who is an avid listener. Good. And uh, Anna. It's her birthday today. Anna is the mother of my best friend, Lynn. And, uh, and it's, it's her mum's birthday today. I'm not even allowed to mention, like we didn't mention Noreen's age yesterday, and we don't talk about my age or anything else like that. Age is immaterial as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's not really, but I mean, it is when you sort of think about it. You think, no, I definitely don't want to... Definitely don't want to. If, if your name's Dave, incidentally, if you're called Dave, you're very lucky because you make the most trustworthy friend. I don't know how they work these things out, but apparently Dave is the most trustworthy name. Uh, among other names which people trust, Paul and John. So there you go. Among women, the top names for reliable friends were Claire, Emma and Kate. But when men were asked which name would be most likely to give good advice, most chose... John. You know, a John sounds reliable. Dr Rebecca Spellman, a psychologist at a, at a clinic, says we build a mental image and expectations of what a person is like based on their name. And apparently most people say they value their best friend more than siblings. But it depends how many best friends you've got, doesn't it, really? Most people can't manage any more than about five 
best friends, because you just don't have enough hours in the daytime to deal with everybody. You know, I speak to the same two people, well, well, two people I speak to every single day, without exception. One's the bank manager, and the other's not. Uh, and I speak to them every single day, every, without failure, and always at roughly the same time. Always, the bank manager always at five to six. Without a shadow of a doubt, she always gets the phone call at five to six. But then somebody said to me once, he said, how many friends have you got? I said, well, I've got, you know, a close, close group of friends, and then I've got lots of acquaintances. So in other words, I can go through my phone book and say, well, I've got more than 2,000 names in there of people that I, I work with, you know, over the years. And at the moment, you know, I don't work with I take their name out straight away. And so they don't come up as a voice recognition. And once we've got the fingerprint recognition, that's going to be even better. That's going to be absolutely brilliant as far as I'm concerned. So um, you've got these people. And then somebody said to me, oh, I've got hundreds of friends. I said, you can't have. Most of them would just have to be acquaintances. You don't have enough time in the, in the world to go round and, and see everybody. 84850, uh Valerie says, a tad early to have already bought mince pies, Christmas pudding and Christmas chocolates, even by your standard. But they go. They go. I have to... Um, I had to buy... I even said to the girl on the till, she said, oh, lovely chocolates. I said, well, I don't eat chocolates. I'm not really a chocolate-eating person. I've had chocolates in the past. But I said, she's... As you scan stuff over the till, she was going, oh, they look nice. They look nice. I said, well, go and buy them. I said, because in a week's time, they'll have gone and they don't bring them back in again. So I bought the Christmas lights. I bought the Christmas labels. I'm waiting for the musical Christmas cards, because I think that's fun when somebody opens up and goes, dun, 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 dun. I just wish they didn't sound a bit tinny, but, you know... Horses for courses. But I did buy the mince pies. I must have about eight boxes of mince pies in the boots. Already Duncan Barks has had some mince pies in here. And the producer, we brought in the uh, the double cream, which was all very nice. I like the man who's living in a time warp in the paper this morning. Sometimes I think I'm living in a, in a time warp. His name is John Collingswood. He is living in the same house he was born in nearly 80 years ago, and he's barely changed a thing. Now, we've heard about these sort of people before. He still uses most of his late parents' old belongings, including their gas cooker and bathtub. And it is an old gas cooker. In fact, it's so old, it doesn't even have the bit at the top where you can do the toast where it used to burn. But he's, he's got his little thing. His, his, uh, his wireless is from the 1950s. Uh, the sink and bathtub are from the same area, and he's got an old gas fire. I'll get it checked. I mean, those sort of things worry me. He's 79. This man does not look 79. He's got a wind-up gramophone. He's got a 1960s fridge, and he's even kept the Second World War air raid shelter in the back garden. He's a thrifty bachelor. He says, I don't want to change anything. It's funny how people are always buying new things. You do that, don't you? Somebody said, every t- if you want a house clear, every time you buy something, throw something out. Because otherwise, very shortly, you'll be walking uphill to the television. So just make sure that you throw things away. Uh, once a teen chart topper, this will appeal to Noreen, uh, with the 60s pop group Amen Corner. Andy Fairweather Low apparently went on to play guitar with some of the biggest stars in rock music. I think for 20 years he has toured with... Uh, all sorts of people, including Eric Clapton, and I think he was at the uh, concert for George Harrison, and he's just he just kept going. He's been married to the same woman for 42 years, which in this business is, is quite something else, and it turns out to have been the sister of the guitarist in Amen Corner. 42 years they've been married, and he's now off touring again. He's happy to go it alone. So Andy Fairweather Lowe starts a 28-day UK tour at the Palace Theatre in Southend on September the 14th. So uh, it'll be this week. And he's also got a record out on September the 16th. He has got his own website, which is andyfairweatherlow.com. 
Facebook.com. Now he wears glasses and he's got no hair and looks uh, looks completely different. But it's still Andy Fairweather Low. Actually, there was an album that they brought up. Was that Ogden's Nut Gone Flake, was it? I see, it was, it was a, an album. I'm sure that was Andy Fairweather Low. I'm pretty certain it was Amen Corner. I might have got that wrong. Sometimes the mind plays tricks when you're trying to remember songs from the, from the 70s. And I think Ogden's Nut Gone Flake was was the album. Lots of pictures of Paul Potts in the paper. You know, he's not tall. He was cuddling up to Taylor Swift. When I say cuddling up, uh, the one thing you always remember Paul Potts for was those dreadful teeth. Then he had new teeth put in. And um, he was on the red carpet at the Toronto Film Festival at the launch of One Chance, which is the film about his... It's like a little biopic about how he was a phone salesman and an amateur opera singer. And then Simon Cowell and everybody else he wowed on the panel when he sang... Because they always do that, don't they? Every series, they will throw up somebody who is, uh, who is the one person that people go, oh, my God, where have you been hiding? And then we've got Susan Boyle, and then they realise that it's best to get her in the studio and record as much as possible, um, because she's now going to be bringing out an album at Christmas where she duets with Elvis Presley. I can't wait. No, no, really, I can't wait. It's quarter past five. Ferrari and the team this morning at seven, as a report suggests the unemployed should travel up to 90 minutes to look for work. Nick will be asking, why wouldn't you commute if you can get a job? Plus all the latest on Obama's speech on Syria, which uh, we all heard and you heard it live on LBC 97.3. Uh, I think at the end, well, what has he actually said? By the time you analyse it, he said, we're going to monitor the situation and we'll wait and see. Uh, and uh, is Michael... Gove right. If people go to food banks, is it their own fault? I don't know anything about food banks at all. I know what they are and I know what they do. Are people that desperate? Do you think some people do it because they're too mean? Are they just go there under false pretenses? I almost think there is that element of danger. And uh, why shouldn't people travel up to 90 minutes to look for work? I thought, let's face it, if you commute into London every day, you're pro- it's going to take you more than 90 minutes, isn't it? So I don't see that, you know, it's, it's like saying, you know, why wouldn't you go for two or three hours? But 90 minutes, I think, is, is absolutely fine. People who get off the trains coming in from Reading, they probably sat on the train for 35 minutes. And then by the time you've gone from Waterloo Station to your office, I mean, before you know where you are and back the other way, I mean, it's easy to rack up an hour and a half, isn't it? Very, very easy. So I, I don't understand why they say people should try. I think perhaps some people think that there's a job on the doorstep. You walk out the front door, you turn right and there is your, your job. Very unlikely, very unlikely. Phil says, talking of paintings of royalty, did they find where the Rolf Harris one of Her Majesty disappeared? No, they've all, they've all gone a bit quiet on that one. It's just disappeared from Buckingham Palace, and, uh, and they don't know. They've actually said they, they've given it back to the BBC, and the BBC has said, no, they haven't. So I've got no idea. Uh, Jimmy says, chemical weapons have been used against us for hundreds of years. They're called cigarettes. Thank you. OK, in East London. Yes, it's Russell Watson. Every time Russell Watson comes in, actually, he's not been in for a little while, but you can just sit down and have a good old chat to him. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh, Twelve weeks I had a broken foot and having to wear an air boot, then a shoe for broken feet. So yesterday they put me in plaster. How lovely. Actually, I'm, I feel I should be in plaster myself because yesterday morning I fell up the stairs at Twickenham Station. And you remember that the week before, or two weeks before, I was kneeling on the floor putting stuff in the fridge. Don't ask me why, I just was. Nothing funny about it, I just happened to kneel on the floor. And I moved my foot backwards and it moved my toenail on my big toe on my left hand foot and and it's like oh no 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 please please and it sort of moved a little bit and I thought oh no 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 so anyway so anyway I put a plaster over it and it bled for a little bit and that's fine yesterday falling up the stairs at Twickenham station uh, which I'm sure will be captured on camera by Brian or somebody like that um I then realized that I'd sort of done it again and the toe was bleeding profusely and it was agony 
agony. So I put another plaster round it. The blood is now seeping through the plaster. And, uh, and I feel as I've broken it. I'm hoping I haven't. I've, I'm going back to the doctor next week. Uh, small faces. Thank you, Dennis of Mitcham. Brilliant, isn't it? I, every time you mention something to LBC listeners, you know it. Ogden's nut gone flake, the small faces. Thank you. And uh, Jimmy says the same. Uh, Karen says, I once served Andy Fairweather Lowe in an Asda story. He used to work in, in Cardiff. That's where he lives. He lives in Cardiff. Unbelievable. Still married 42 years. Uh, Karen says, baby sprouts in a box in Marks and Spencer. If you fancy some fresh ones instead of frozen. I'm not, I've decided I'm not going for frozen sprouts ever again. They were so awful the other day that I only want the fresh ones. So I've decided that I'm going to go to, to Marks and Spencer's later on and get, to get fresh ones. But we've still got Ray Mears to do in the meantime. And, uh, and the boss is taking me out for a cup of tea. Last time we walked for miles. I've decided this time I'm not going to walk for miles. I'm going to go to Café Rouge, I think. Uh, five million of you have been transferred to the new TSB bank this week. Five million people. They're now making it easier, aren't they, for you to switch banks. It's if people have bad experiences with their banks before. It took ages and ages. Now they've speeded up the process. The only difference that you'll notice on your uh, switch over to TSB is a different name at the top. Everything stays exactly the same. It's done very quickly. I'm, I moved banks. I moved branches, actually, when uh, a person I was dealing with at my branch moved. And she said, I'll just transfer all your accounts over. So she transferred all the accounts over. I didn't need to write anything. I didn't need to do anything at all. It was fairly straightforward. So now people have been switched over to uh, to the TSB, which is very interesting. I wonder, actually, perhaps we'll find out over the next weeks. I know they had a problem on the first day, didn't they? The computer computer went a bit iffy, I'm afraid. And uh, people say, oh, no, it's going to be a disaster and everything else. Uh, I don't know the name of Andy Fairweather-Lowe's new record, but he has a website, andyfairweatherlow.com. AndyFairWithALow.com uh, Other stories in the paper today. There's uh, a footy ace here uh, who had to do a runner from a Spanish bar after being targeted by boozed-up British yobs. What is it with us and drink abroad? Can we not handle our drink? I mean, we see it constantly around this neck of the woods here, especially on a Friday and a Saturday night. They seem to be our worst nights. Uh, and during the daytime, it's pretty busy, but it's not, it's not full of all the drunks that it is over the Friday and Saturday night. And they seem to spill out over in to Piccadilly Circus and around sort of the top end of Leicester Square. Although I'm still waiting to find out. We can find somebody else's bar around here. There's a there's a celebrity bar. Not that I'm particularly into celebrity bars. We're going out to a party this this week to celebrate the leaving of somebody. I say to celebrate the leaving. He's going and we're just making sure he's really going. And uh, so we'll be going out for a couple of sherbets for that one. So I've, I've got to do that one as well. Uh, the Empty Shop boost. Bookies are helping to win back shoppers to the struggling high street. I'm constantly noticing empty shops. I noticed a couple of other ones um, this morning as I was coming through here thinking, good Lord, an empty shop. How odd. This after Mary Portis said that she was going to transform the high street and we weren't going to have uh, all of these empty shops. And what they did quite cleverly in Church Street, where there were some empty shops at Christmas last year, I think it was Bruce and his wife, they, they put in uh, lights in all the windows and they put things in there, little displays, so it didn't look like an empty shop, which I thought was quite clever, actually, because it made it come alive and so worked very well. So Church Street in, in Twickenham, which if you've uh, been down to watch the switching on of the lights, which I've done on a couple of occasions, you'll know it's a very pretty little street. They put the lights across, but it was because they had some empty shops. They then... Um, Filled up the windows with pottery and stuff that was made in the in the area. Shamed uh, rape rapper Chris Fountain is pictured in the papers today wearing a mask and performing on the mic in an online video at a wild festival. The sacked Corrie star. I wasn't aware he was sacked. I thought he'd been suspended. 
uh, mentioned in the paper today, who hasn't been pictured since being given the boot from the soap last month, is filmed at the Burning Man Festival in Nevada in America. I don't know what it is, whether it's one of those rites of passage places. But uh, he played uh, Tommy Duckworth. He went with uh, Jason Grimshaw. And then uh, he put all his troubles behind him. In fact, he didn't look as though he was suffering with anything at all. Perhaps, he's, perhaps he thinks he might, uh, he might come back on again. I don't know. Simon Cowell might want to steer well clear of booking the Arctic Monkeys to appear on The X Factor. The band's frontman, Alex Turner, hit out at the ITV show, but says that thinking about it helps him fire him up to make him better music of himself. And Anton Deck admit they find the idea of Simon Cowell's impending fatherhood hilarious. <laughs> Declan Donnelly said he can't even think about it without laughing. Accepting the best talent show gong for Britain's Got Talent, the duo joked that Simon couldn't make it because he was shopping for the tot. Ant McPartland jo- joked, we'd like to thank our boss Simon Cowell. He can't be here. He's at mother care. Hugely hilarious. Hugely hilarious. He can't be here. He's at mother care. Very funny. I wonder how many scriptwriters it took to read that. Actually, the funny thing is that when they, when they gave the award at the Choice Awards last night, it was best talent show on television, Britain's Got Talent. We don't have any other talent shows. That is the only one. What were they up against? Jeremy Kyle? No. There are no other talent shows on the television. So, of course, it was, it was just an excuse to give something else to Anton Deck, who just cleaned up, as per usual. They must have to build extra rooms on, a, their, on their houses to house everything they've got. I don't begrudge them anything like that, but I do think it's hilarious at, uh, at an awards ceremony. Best talent show uh, goes to Britain's Got Talent, because we don't have any other talent shows. Um, there's a few things on little channels that nobody really bothers with, but uh, apart from that, it's, uh, it's, the, uh, it's the interesting fact that Anton Deck get another thing. Uh, oh dear, Richard and Sarah have, do not know, they haven't heard, that in fact we are giving away on the programme this morning the new Apple iPhone 5S. I'll give you the details after the news. The gadget giveaway is back from its summer break. And so, this morning, the Apple iPhone 5S. You can be one of the first people in the UK to get your hands on it as soon as it's released. The new phone is much faster than the other one. Better camera, and it's got the fingerprint scanner for added security. Details of how you can get your hands on it coming up to the side of the news. I love the idea that you wake up and you go back to sleep again. I think my voice was that soothing on the programme. Uh, still to come as well... Uh, Helen Flanagan stepping out wearing another chunky urban necklace. You just wish that Helen Flanagan would actually stay in a little bit more often. Uh, She goes out and she takes a photographer with her uh, because you wouldn't waste time following Helen Flanagan. She doesn't do anything. So the photographer takes a couple of pictures and then they sell them to the papers and I think they split the money. So it works with some other people. It's because it's easier. Why would you want to follow Helen Flanagan around? Very dreary life. It's LBC 97.3. Time now, 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Dave in Texas. I'm glad the name Dave inspires trusts and suggests a good friend. Last week, Duncan Bark said that no one named Dave could ever be a success. They might be a good bloke and all, but they'd be a permanent ne'er-do-well. I love that idea of a ne'er-do-well. Somebody called Dave. Yeah, I mean, David sounds better, doesn't it? But a lot of people who are... It's, it's, a, it's a blokey name, isn't it? You imagine Dave being a Chelsea fan and sort of talking a bit like that, Dave. You know, and then you've got David Cameron, you see, but they, nobody ever calls him Dave. 
He's known as David. David makes you sound a bit posh. Dave makes you sound as though you're a bit working class. Nothing about it being working class. We're all working class. Unless you're very rich at the moment and you don't need to work for a living, but the rest of us need to. Uh, sunrise, 6.28 this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Any cloud and patchy rain in the east will clear to leave a mostly dry day with some bright spells developing. Some rain possible in the afternoon. The high is 16 centigrade. Currently it's 12, so it's a bit chilly out there. A little bit better than yesterday when it was 11 at this time. But I defy anybody to... To actually work out the difference between one degree. Uh, tomorrow, patchy mist and fog gradually lifting, cloud breaking, developing to allow some pleasantly warm bright spells by the afternoon. Thicker cloud and patchy rain reaching the west later, the high 19 degrees centigrade. And for Friday, persistent cloud and rain, perhaps a drier later. Saturday, further cloud and rain. And Sunday, a bright start but rain, occasionally heavy and strong winds spreading southeast. Oh, sounds disastrous, doesn't it? But only what we expect as we actually go into, into autumn. Uh, Dave from Kendall, not David, you've noticed, uh, says it was a small face as did the Ogden Nutgon Flake. Thank you. I, I do have the album. They're worth anything now. I'm not actually sure if, they, if, if they're worth any money at all. Uh, thank you very much for everything yesterday, says Noreen. The podcast, the blog, the card. A wonderful time was had. I think Brian was a bit miffed. I managed the cakes and the scones at Luton Who. Two vintage cars outside with the number plates. You Who Won and... Uh, sorry, L Who Won and L Who Two. And uh, thank you to everybody for their lovely messages, uh, cards, uh, texts, calls. I was shattered. So special thanks to someone who knows who they are. Too many to mention. Lovely Janice. You've met her lots of times. Twickenham, Mermaid, Magic Circle. Is off to see Wicked today. So have a great time, Janice and co. And send love to Paul of Hinge and Bracket. Fame. Not going through a... A great time at the moment. Well, we always look after Paul of Hinge and Bracket fame. Just hope the in-conversations go well. well. It's only going to be one. It's only going to be one, so I'll, I'll wait and see how it, uh, how it runs, actually. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, only one British author on the, uh, the Booker shortlist. I do wish I could write. I do wish I could write. I've sometimes... I've got to, I've got to write a piece uh, on 40 years of LBC... And uh, so I'm, I'm going to start it. I'll tell you now, it's going to open up with, I can remember as if it were yesterday, walking through the doors of Communication House in Gough Square in December 1970. <laughs> anyway, whatever it was, whatever year I wandered in there, it was certainly very early, put it that way. And most of the people around here at the moment weren't even alive in those days. But uh, I can remember it vividly. I can take you around the building in my mind. You go up the steps, down to the, uh, to the newsroom and the studios, and then right, you go up the steps, the little steps... A lift. We had a lift. A very modern building. And you turned right, and that was the uh, the room where Vivian Fowle held court. And she was head of news information and planning. Brian Hayes was in there. Bob and Doug. Uh, the weekend breakfast show with various... Inca Magnus Carter and uh, Jenny... Somebody. Which will come to be late. It's awful when you can't remember. But, I mean, come the 8th of October, we'll be seeing all these people again. Uh, well, those who are living... And then we had uh, oh, various other people who came in to do breakfast show. Uh, to the left-hand side, Tommy Boyd used to sit over there. It was only when he left we opened up the drawers and realised that he hadn't opened his post for about six months. There were tonnes and tonnes of letters. Because in those days, of course, we didn't have computers. Which seems very archaic, doesn't it, when you consider everything now is done on email. But in those days, there were no computers, so people wrote in. And your pigeonhole would be jammed with letters. I told you that disastrous story where I sort of got myself into no end of trouble with, with the management because we'd um, somebody had written in from the Children's Scrap Project. And the Children's Scrap Project was uh, a charity that took old Christmas cards, cut out the pictures on the front and made them into gift tags. And then they sold them. And so they wrote in to me and they said, um, 
you know, could you ask your listeners if we can have some of their old Christmas cards and then the kids can cut them out and make them into gift tags? And so I said, yes, I'm more than happy to do that without realising the power of LBC. Douglas Cameron heard it as I was doing it in the early hours of the morning and he said, well, Steve Allen is looking for your old Christmas cards to turn into gift labels. And so I thought that was quite nice, actually. And uh, we had a few packets trickling in. And then on the... Friday after that week, I got a phone call from from the management. Hello, Steve. Are you coming in today? Yes. We have a slight problem with the Christmas cards. Right. Anyway, we'll we'll, we'll tell you about it when we see you. Of course, I didn't think anything more about it. I just thought, oh, they're going to sort of say, you know, don't do this because it holds up the post room system. We had a post room. And uh, so I go in there and he says, it's been a little bit more than successful. I said, okay. Come this way. So I walk into what was our boardroom then, and we only got as far as the door. Forty sackfuls of parcels, boxes, crates of Christmas cards. It turned out that after Douglas Cameron had mentioned it on the breakfast show on LBC with Bob Holness, all the city firms decided what a great idea it was to get all their employees to bring all their Christmas cards in, and so they were collecting for us as well. And so I had to phone up. We had literally 40 sacks. The next day, another 40 sacks. And I'm talking about the huge GPO sacks full of every pass. And we looked at the first one and I thought, so I phoned up the children's scrap project. I said, listen, we've we've, we've got a few cards for you. Oh, lovely, they said. How many? I said, at the moment, there's about 80 sackfuls. And it went very quiet the other end of the phone. And I thought, oh, dear, I think we've overstepped here. Should we do it? I don't want 80 sackfuls. We didn't know what to do with 80 sackfuls. I said, well, how many do you want? She said, we thought maybe just sort of a few hundred cards. I said, we've got thousands in here. And literally, you couldn't get in the boardroom. They were piled up all around the walls, on the chairs, on the boardroom table, everything. It was just awful. It was just... It had been very successful, but a victim of our own success at being so popular. So they were pulped. We had to get rid of them. There was nothing else you could do with them. And then somebody wrote in afterwards saying, oh, I put in some nice uh, photos... Family at Christmas from, you know, from years ago. Could you send them back? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they've actually gone. Or, you know, so somebody wrote to me once saying, oh, I, I put something in there, which was a picture of my mum that I, I just sort of wanted to let you see. Could you send that back to us? No, don't think so. Don't think so. But uh, the great Christmas card fiasco, it was a disaster, I'm afraid. Absolutely a disaster. I felt, I felt quite guilty about the whole thing. But at the same time, I, I did smile. I did smile. Uh, the BBC is locked in a, a bit of row with a film company after Diana star Naomi Watts was accused of storming out of a radio interview. Apparently, uh, Entertainment One, one of the UK's biggest movie firms, has apparently banned Five Live, whatever that and all that is, uh, from talking to any of their talent and blasted Simon Mayo for acting unprofessionally. Oh, dear. Uh, it comes after Pretty Naomi appeared to take offence to Simon's line of questions while discussing her lead role in the film about Diana. The actress met with Simon and co-host Mark Commode. They're very good friends. They turn up to lots of, um, lots of screenings together. Uh, it's for their, their film review thing. Simon, who's interviewed people like Richard Curtis, Anne Hathaway and Michael Douglas. Dear, sorry, we did Antonia Banderas, love. We're, we're ahead of you on that one. But anyway, uh, speaking about the incident, uh, he also claimed the radio team have now been struck off by Entertainment One. He says, we were not asking any difficult questions, as the film is not about Diana's death. We didn't want to talk about Diana's death. We were not talking about the Duke of Edinburgh or the SAS, but she obviously felt uncomfortable. Dear me. A spokesman for Entertainment One said Simon Mayo acted unprofessionally. It's very difficult, isn't it, when you're doing an interview 
and and you don't really know sort of where to go with something. But it's you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter. But I don't think you could ever accuse somebody who is a professional broadcaster of behaving unprofessionally. So he asked he asked a few questions. I mean, it, I mean, it wasn't actually as bad as that dreadful uh, Clive. Anderson interview with the Bee Gees, where he just took the mickey out of them, and one by one, they got up and walked off the stage. Quite rightly so. Killed his career. Stone dead. Stone dead. It was just the stupidest interview I've ever seen in my entire life, because he sat there and took the mickey out of the Bee Gees. You know, one of our most successful groups. Hugely successful. And uh, I sat... I cringed. I was watching... Nothing clever about sort of doing an interview where the person gets up and walks out. You know, it really, really doesn't, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850. Uh, Louise is doing the Three Peaks Challenge. She says, I listen to you frequently in the morning. Today, alongside some of my work colleagues, I shall be travelling from Worthing. I love the way people say Worthing and then in brackets West Sussex, like I've got no idea where Worthing is. To Fort William in Scotland. I'd rather you put Fort William and then in brackets Scotland, so I would know where that was. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Fort William. I've got no idea what it looks like at all. But they're doing it for the Rocking Horse Children's Charity in Brighton. So, uh, wish you the best of luck with that one. I'm sure it'll go terribly, terribly well. Uh, I'm still fascinated by somebody being, you know, put on a, a band list. I've never been on a band. Oh, I did have an author once. I had a woman in called Gita Sereni. Gita Sereni had written a book about Mary Bell, the child killer. And, and I said to um, Gita Sereni, uh, who was a rather bumptious old woman, I said, uh, did you pay Mary Bell for this interview? This is nothing to, nothing to do with the book. I said, of course it's to do with the book. Of course it's to do with the book. And I wouldn't let go. And uh, the publisher were getting very irate. And afterwards, they, uh, they, they, they complained. And so Steve Allen's questioning was not appropriate. You think, well, it's very appropriate. Did you pay Mary Bell £50,000 for doing this book? It's only a straightforward yes or no. Anyway, poor old Gita Sereni didn't quite cope with that one at all. So off she toddled into the, into the night, never to be heard of ever again, I'm afraid. They had somebody else in once who came in for a programme. I can't remember which programme it was. And he said to the, uh, the rookie presenter at the time, he said, in fact, it, it happened on the television as well. Was it Bernard Levin who appeared with Terry Wogan? And Terry Wogan was doing his, ha, the old Wogan, back with you again, you know, touching the old leg, very funny. And Bernard Levin was sort of, you know, quite a serious person. And he said to Terry Wogan, he said, because Terry was doing the old, ha, so what colour is the world, the sky in your world today, Bernard, the kind of thing. He said, have you read my, my column this morning? No, I haven't, says Terry, laughing his way through it. And Bernard Levin goes, you knew I was coming on your show, and yet you haven't read my newspaper column today. No, the old Wogan, a little bit busy. <laughs> so Bernard Levin gets up and walks out, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But it kind of, it, it, it's funny, actually, because it kind of backfires on them. I remember seeing a famous designer on the same Wogan show, and, um, and she brought on her models. And the, mo- uh, the moment the first one walked on, the audience started laughing. Because they just looked so... They looked a bit like Victoria Beckham does in the papers today. So they start laughing about this thing. And uh, eventually, this woman gets quite... A- she says, if, I'm- if they keep laughing, she said, I'm not bringing any more models out. So, of course, by this time, the audience had doubled up. They're on the floor. Because as people coming out, they just... It was the most ridiculous clothing. As I say, just like Victoria Beckham in the papers today. Very funny indeed. It's an outfit that she looks ridiculous in, but apparently Anna Wintour loves it, so that's all that matters in America. If Anna Wintour loves it, it means you're, you're OK and you're assured of some sort of thing. And perhaps, perhaps Anna Wintour likes hanging around with celebrities, although she's in a fairly, uh, fairly powerful position herself. But I just, I just looked at this Victoria Beckham picture and it just reminded me so much, so much of this person on The Wogan Show years ago. So when you read about poor old Simon... It's not good. Uh, we've got lumps, bumps, stretch marks, but we're happy to be seen naked. Apparently women are very happy today with their naked bodies. They're a bit like that here. 
They're all happy with their naked bodies. There's a, come some you walk in, there's people exposing flesh. You think, you really shouldn't. You should really be covering up a little bit. You know, it's OK for us elderly people to do it because, you know, we don't know what's going on. So, you know, just sort of drop your trousers. But I'd never wear shorts in this building. I would never wear shorts in this building. Somebody said to me, would you wear shorts? I'd not with my legs, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Steve, perhaps you should start wearing steel toe cap boots out and steel cap carpet slippers as you appear accident prone. I'm totally accident prone. I fall over anything. I Sometimes I walk into things. Doors, mainly. I've, I've lost track of the amount of time I've stubbed toes under doors or fallen over things. I'm absolutely useless, I'm afraid. Lynn says, uh, being too tired to go out yesterday, we had a smashing day. Celebrating our 36th wedding anniversary at home, snuggled up, giggling at DVDs of old comedy shows with a takeaway. We must be getting older. Posh lunch on Thursday, though. And uh, Ross and Craig on the M25 on the way to Heathrow for Oz. It'll be lovely. Don't know what the weather's like. Um, and uh, if Mr Gove thinks it's OK to travel for 90 minutes, says Brian, then why do so many MPs have second homes? Yeah, well, they have to be close, don't they? In case there's a vote going on. That's all I can think of. I can't think of any other reason. A bit worried about this sort of taking your clothes off for things now. Perhaps we shouldn't worry about that one. Uh, still to come, the fantastic gadget competition for today. Your chance. In fact, the, uh, the only chance in the country, as far as I know, to get your hands on the iPhone 5S. Brand new fingerprint recognition, super duper, and you can only win it with Steve Allen on LBC. It's quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Certainly is. Morning 10 to 6 is the time. If you just joined us, it's nice to have your company. So plastic banknotes. I'm liking the sound of this one. They reckon you could even put them in the washing machine. Which is fun. How many times have we done that? And you've taken it... Oh, Lord above. But uh, the end of uh, all sorts of things. 300 years of tradition with these banknotes. 300 years. And so now... These uh, polymer banknotes produced from transparent polypropylene film and coated with ink will be shown around the country in a bank roadshow over the next two months in an attempt to persuade the nation of their benefit. They do do them in other countries, don't they? I think other countries have these, these banknotes. But, I mean, now, at the moment they're made of cotton and linen. Uh, and it might be a change. Paper money, of course, goes back to, I think, about the 7th century. I think China, uh, the merchants there started using banknotes to avoid carrying piles of heavy copper coins. So they brought out these these notes. Uh, by 1745, notes were printed in fixed denominations ranging from £20 to £1,000. The first £10 note was issued in 1759, followed by the first £5 note in 1797. They were quite big, though, weren't they? I seem to remember seeing pictures of, of these, uh, these banknotes. There's a place opposite the British Museum where they do lots of banknotes and coins and stuff like that. It's, really, it's quite interesting, if you like, looking at stuff like that. But a plastic note um, and the, the watermark of the Queen will be replaced with a white picture of Britannia. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I don't think we should take away the watermark of the Queen. I'm, I don't really want Britannia, much as we love Britannia. I think we want to see the Queen there. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, there's also, if you're a collector of movie memorabilia, there's an item that you might wish to purchase. It comes from the 1938 film, The Adventures of Robin Hood, and it's the shoes worn by Errol Flynn. They're expected to fetch up to £2,000. They say the 38 version is the best Robin Hood film Anyway, no matter what you hear from other people. And it's going to be sold by Arthur Johnson and Sons in Nottingham on September 21st. There's going to be 20,000 costumes as well up for sale by the former hire shop owner, Andrew Wilson Jenner. 20,000. I would assume, actually, somebody like Angels would buy all of those. Would they not? They've got, they've got so many costumes. When we went on to the... Uh, 
all the way up there to go and have a look round for our Christmas photo shoot a couple of years back. Could even be three years back now. Um, we went inside the warehouse. Oh, my God, they've got everything. They, they, they can equip a film. You know, if, if you need 10,000 soldiers, they've got the costumes for 10,000 soldiers. However, I'm tempted, sorely tempted, to buy an apartment because every morning I come through Knightsbridge and we go past One Hyde Park, which is the Candy Brothers, and uh, there's a one-bedroom apartment that has just come up for sale. Uh, it was owned by the now bankrupt Irish developer Ray Grian, and he bought it. This is a one-bedroom apartment, okay, for three point six five million. It's now on the market for five point two five million for a one bed a one-bedroom apartment. I mean, I've I've looked at them. I'm sure they're lovely, but they're not worth five point something million. You know how much the service charge is? It's not just buying the place. The service charge on it is fourteen thousand a year. 14,000 here. It's a lot of money, isn't it? So they're, they're hoping to, uh, to sell it. It's got all sorts of strange people in there. And so the high-end agency, which is Strutton Parker, have sent out a brochure. It's only 998 square feet. It's an entry-level apartment, and they needed to find a buyer quickly for the property. Uh, you can hobnob with oil tycoons and all sorts of people, but you've coughed a budget. If you could afford to actually spend 5.25 minutes, perhaps it'll go to an MP. Perhaps an MP will buy it, so you can be fairly near Parliament. It's only just sort of down the road, isn't it? So that could be OK. A little bit hop, skip and a jump. I never wanted to live there. I looked at the apartments. I've seen the interior lighting on it. Mm, not too sure. But, that, but so a one bedroom, that's, that's your entry level, 5.25 million. It's gone up that much. Unbelievable. Uh, all through the Mary Bell Bell book has passed away, says Andrew. Yes. Well, it's probably for best, I should imagine. Probably for best. And um, somebody says, can you interview Leona Lewis? She's currently recording a Christmas album. Should be great as you love Christmas so much. Yes, I do like Christmas so much. And uh, what do you think of Carol McGiffin? Um, not a lot, I'm afraid. Not at the moment. Not judging by some of the things she's been saying on the programme. She, it's, it's the alcohol that's affecting her quite badly. Martin says, uh, I don't know how old you are, mate. Uh, 40. Coming up 40. Uh, he says, but I keep bumping into things and stubbing my toes. And I'm nearly 50. Oh, I'm much older than myself, of course. He says, I keep dropping things and I knock stuff over. I think I'm losing my marbles. No, 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 you're losing your toes. That's what you're losing, I'm afraid. And uh, I'm not surprised you keep tripping up wearing those red curly toed Moroccan leather slippers. I have got a very nice pair of Moroccan red slippers. If only they were curly-toed. I keep falling out of that. I don't wear them that often, but I'm, I'm, at the moment I'm, I'm suffering quite badly falling over things. Uh, if you've just woken up, you know that we are the first programme in the country to offer, as a competition prize, the Apple iPhone 5S. And uh, you can get it on this programme... You can be one of the first people to get the new phone, which is faster than the previous version. It's got a better camera, a fingerprint scanner for extra security, and one lucky person will win it uh, today by answering this question correctly. Starting with the earliest, put these Apple product releases in order. A, iPad. B, iPod. C, iPhone. So which was the first one that came out? So put them in order. A, iPad. B, iPod. C, iPhone. To enter, text the word gadget, followed by your three-character ABC answer, and you send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. 
Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. It's a lovely prize. Nobody else will have one, and you can get yours, uh, you can get yours for free for entering the, uh, the competition. Uh, just finished chemotherapy, still in remission. This is, uh, this is Junior. He says, tired, but getting stronger. He says, thank Noreen and Paul et al. for their good wishes and encouragement. He says, that you're on fine form as usual. I know, we talked about chemo the other day, didn't we? It's, it's never much fun for people, but I had a, a letter in from somebody saying, thank you for talking about it, because I'm going through it at the moment, and it's, it's not the most pleasant thing. So, uh, to all those people who are going in... Actually, a friend of mine went in for his dialysis the other day. Luckily... Uh, lucky, uh, it's his last last session. I've never had that. The model's on Wogan, says Paul. The lady was Vivian Westwood, who, if memory serves, walked in on what amounted to a see-through onesie with three fig leaves in those important little places, which immediately got the audience tittering. And the laughter at her other creations were shown, which sent her over the edge. She was furious. She was so cross. Vivian Westwood. It was so funny. Because, you know, the, 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 the British public, it's like the Emperor's New Clothes, isn't it? The king is in the altogether, the altar. And it's the same with Vivian Westwood. She brought these, these models out and people just, they just thought it was the funniest thing. Because you don't really get them on, on the television. You see them at the, at the catwalks in Paris and wherever else they happen to be. And you, it's like looking at, uh, the only thing I can liken it to is poor old Victoria, Victoria Beckham's dreadful, dreadful, uh, Poor little outfit, which is in the papers today. 84850, uk. We shall weave everything. Just after six, I'll, I'll go through uh, for uh, the front pages again, just so, you, just so you know. Will money laundering now be legal using plastic notes? <laughs> well, exactly. You can wash them. I think it's brilliant because they don't have long shelf life, do they? How many times have you been given a note in a shop? Oh, don't give me that. It's a horrible note. Looks all falling apart. Mind you, as a kid, if ever I got money, I'm sure that they used to go into the bank or the post office and say, can I have a nice new crisp ten shilling note? It's for a birthday present. Put it into a card. I do that occasionally. Because sometimes you look at the notes and I don't know what their shelf life is. I don't know how, how many times it passes between your hands. But I just know that they don't seem to last as long as they did before. They seem to be getting worse and worse. Front page of the uh, Independent this morning. They've got... Uh, the end of Lavelle's hell, Coronation Street start cleared, and uh, the impatient ally is planning a new UN resolution in reply to the Russian ruse. And they've also got an eye-opening encounter with the rebel leader that Assad tried to gas. Uh, Ian Katz, not getting the best publicity, as the editor of Newsnight, I'm afraid, in the, in the papers for today. And um, it says here, he's had to make a grovelling apology. After his Twitter post, he thought he was sending it privately. Sadly, it wasn't. Uh, it went to his 26,000 followers. He obviously didn't like one of the guests who was on the programme. So anyway, there a few weeks. The last one had to go, because he didn't seem to know what was going on. It, it just seems to have lost its way, for old Newsnight. Perhaps they just can't find the sort of editors that they need nowadays. Uh, the iPhone getting a bit smarter, and a little brother. Lots of reviews in the papers, and of course we're the only programme that's actually giving one away. And if you missed it... We'll give it to you again the other side. And uh, more on the, the luxury flat. Do you know, one bedroom for 5.23 million. People listening in Manchester, they must think we're mad down here. Absolutely mad to sort of end up with sort of flats that cost that much. And the service charge, 14,000 a year. Terrible. Short break. It's LBC 97.3. We've got the news at 6 o'clock coming up this Wednesday morning. It's nice to be company. I'm Steve Allen with you until 6.30. 
LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, five past six. God, it's chilly this morning, isn't it? It's not going to get much better later on today, and it's going to be one of those mixed days, I'm afraid. It's, uh, it's going to be sunshine and showers, and actually being the, uh, the same... The same for the rest of the week, I'm afraid. And the weekend doesn't look very promising at all, I'm afraid. Not so good. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And the subject of uh, Robin Hood, apparently uh, the horse which Olivia de Havilland rode in the 38 film version of Robin Hood was sold after the movie. It was bought by Will uh, by Roy Rogers and named Trigger. Was that the one who pulled the fastest milk cart in the West? I don't think it was, actually. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, Michael says... Uh, why does diabetic care change from area to area? It depends how much money they've got, I suppose. Having moved from Dorset to Cornwall, I've been told not to test my blood, not to exercise and control it all by diet. Uh, well, that's, that's what they fit. If you're, if you're type 2, then they do, they do recommend that. Well, I mean, you have to test your blood, this whole idea of your diabetic. I mean, that's a bit stupid. Uh, just change your, uh, your, your doctor. Just to get it. I mean, I, I have excellent, uh, excellent... Uh, diabetic care but then some people don't i'm afraid some people don't but uh, but you you can get it you can get it just just go to another doctor's surgery it's as simple as that front pages of the papers you're waking up to today it's uh, a very happy man michael lavelle uh, one of the papers was suggesting that this michael uh, might all be smoke and mirrors that they'll uh, in fact they, you, the papers are quite divided on first of all itv are looking forward to talking to him to welcome him back to coronation street which i have no doubt then somebody else was saying that they'll, they'll probably just write him out which i think is unlikely another paper is saying he'll be offered a quarter of a million pound contract to go back because he's been found innocent and if you're found innocent then you um then, you know, there's, there's no charges to answer and he shouldn't have been dropped in the first place. But uh, they had to go through a due, due process, and so they did, and so he's been found innocent and he'll go back there. Now, whether or not they then start... I mean, because I should imagine he could, he'd have a very good case on his hands, and the, and the good case would be if they start cutting down, saying, wait a minute, I've been found innocent and this is the way they actually treat you at ITV. I mean, it's, it's different, I suppose, if you're working for them, and he has been there for ages and ages. Um... It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a simple matter. He will go back. I think he'll go on holiday, and then they'll talk about weaving him in. OK? 84850, uk. Um, another one here, the Independent front page. It's uh, the end of Lavelle's Hell. They're all playing on that one, as he's uh, been cleared. Uh, and, as, and as somebody has said, in fact, most of the papers have said, there's no evidence for anything. There was just nothing at all. There was nothing there. To, why it ever came into court in the first place is the headline on the front of the Daily Mail. Why was he ever charged? If you remember, up until the last minute, first of all, he was arrested. And uh, then they sort of said, no, the, the, there aren't any charges because they they decided that there was nothing for him to be charged with. And then he went back to Coronation Street. Then he came back out again because they then said, right, now we've decided to do this. So they had some more things. And then they said, no, there's nothing to charge. And then finally, when all of a sudden the papers started getting really funny about how incompetent TV companies were, especially the BBC over the Jimmy Savile scandal, they maybe thought they had something building up here. So nobody wanted to appear stupid. So the... Uh, the Crown Prosecution Service decided then to go for prosecution, whereas, in fact, they knew. They knew that there was hardly any evidence at all. There was, just, you know, there was nothing there. If, if a jury in only four hours found him not guilty, you can imagine the hell that he must have gone through and how he must be thinking, 
you know, they've just absolutely screwed it up big time. I mean, there were lies and lies and lies. There were no forensics. There were no witnesses. I mean, at one time, um, during the evidence of court, she told the jury the attacks happened at different times. Uh, During her first interview, made no mention of these allegations. There was no medical evidence, no abuse pictures, no consistency, no witnesses. There was no nothing because it never happened. And the, these lies just went on. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous uh, because this was after, in October, was it October? Yeah, October last year was when there was the, uh, the documentary exposure revealing the true extent of the Jimmy Savile scandal. Of course, the scandal is that Jimmy Savile was allowed to die without anybody saying anything while he was alive, apart from Louis Theroux, who had a, who had a little tiny go at allegations that were made against him, and he just sort of just dismissed it out of hand. But uh, now you look, you look back on it and you think, good grief. And I think they've just rearrested Chris Denning as well, who was one of the people who set up Radio 1 on some, some more charges. But if you look at, at the way that Michael Lavelle was, uh, was treated, it's just they almost thought, oh, we better actually put this into court. There was no reason for it at all. There was absolutely nothing. The, the, the girl was re-interviewed by the police and alleges that he uh, raped her. The CPS then launched a review of the decision not to take any action. And uh, then they decided in February of this year, re-arrested and charged with a series of rapes, indecent assault and sexual activity. It was a load of old codswallop. It was absolute rubbish. A very weak case against a very high-profile figure. And it then, that's why people have said, was it a witch hunt? You know, is it a case of the CPS are so desperate to get somebody because they've also dropped the, uh, the Jim Davidson cases. Is it so easy now for somebody, you know, for whatever reason they might have, to go and say, this person on television did this to me? And then they go into a police station, and then the police have to act on it. So the next thing, this person's life gets disrupted. Their family, their friends, colleagues that they work with, all of a sudden people start looking at, at them differently. And, of course, you know, we were all... You know, people have said about every time another celebrity name. I've lost track of the amount of celebrity friends I've spoken to going, look at these. Na- these are most unlikely names. And all of a sudden people are coming up with stuff that happened 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I think one of them, I think it's something like 52 years ago. And you think, I can't remember last year how you'd remember all these things. I've got no idea. And why now? Why now? It, it just doesn't make any sense to anybody, actually in the business as to why it's it is almost a bit like a witch hunt i'm afraid it does it does appear like that uh, there used to be a late night program on channel 4 says malcolm called after dark which was a discussion show until they invited oliver ree no there was a discussion show which had keith allen on and i think they were eating the the one uh, in which oliver reed was was drunk uh, was the word and I think they, they put him in a dressing room with a hidden camera in there and they gave him drink and he was, he was drinking quite heavily because Oliver Reed did drink quite heavily. And it was Keith Allen who I think was just obnoxious and foul-mouthed uh, on one particular... Pro- I can't remember what the programme was. But again, I think it was another one of these controversial programmes where they invite somebody controversial on knowing that they're going to do something. I was watching Danny Dyer. Is it Danny Dyer, the actor? Uh, the other day on a programme. And it might have been eight out of ten cats. He can't have a conversation without swearing. Every other word was bleeped. Every other every other word. And I thought he must be able to to say something without being bleeped out all the time. Um, the Daily Mail is saying it's a celebrity witch hunt. His family are uh, saying he's innocent, and uh, all his friends have come out now. I noticed one of them who was in who was cornered. Uh, by uh, by the press yesterday said, oh, "I've just heard it's very good news, but I I, I don't know the inside 
you know, story about it, so he's sort of left there. But uh, not a shred of evidence. But unfortunately, it's put him through two years of, of hell. Two years of hell. All right, so he had affairs. So he's, he's a drunk. Does that, you know, mean that you take away somebody's life? No. And that's why ITV have to put him back on the show as quickly as possible to prove that they're not as guilty as the other people who put him up on the, on the stand. He did go and have his drink, though. Uh, and that's what it says on the front of the sun. If Carlsberg did acquittals... This is such a great... Somebody must have sat down and went, if Carlsberg did acquittals. Because yesterday I did say he'd be, he was going to be found innocent. Well, you know, you have a little bet round the office. And I was asking around various people. I said, what do you reckon? Innocent or guilty? And I said innocent. I said innocent all the way through. Can't tell you why I said innocent, but I just, I just got a feeling... I just got a feeling that something just wasn't wasn't quite right. wasn't quite right. I wasn't too sure what, but uh, something wasn't. So anyway, because a friend of mine texted me last night and said, you were absolutely right. I said, yeah, but it doesn't make me feel any better about things. Uh, Paul in Manchester says, I remember Ulster and the Isle of Man having plastic banknotes some years ago. It would make economic sense, and they're much harder to counterfeit due to the materials used. In the dim and distant past, I vaguely remember, I think, at the same time, New Style Fivers which had to be constantly replaced as they were in tatters within a year. The plastic notes were mooted by the Bank of England at the time, but after protests, uh, shelved. Oh, I'd love to see them. I would absolutely love to see plastic notes. I, think, I hope it happens in my lifetime. Do you think it will? Try to live beyond next year. It should be fine. It's uh, quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 6.20. Don't forget, we are offering you today, uh, in our fantastic gab- gadget giveaway... No, you got excited then. The gadget giveaway. The Apple iPhone, the brand new 5S. It's your chance to get your hands on it. You can be one of the first people in the country to uh, enjoy this new phone, which is faster than the previous version. Better camera, as well as a fingerprint scanner for extra security. And one lucky listener will win it. Will it be you? Starting with the earliest. Put these Apple product releases in order. A iPad, B, iPod, C, iPhone. Text the word gadget, followed by your three-character ABC answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30. So you've got nine minutes. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We're playing across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So, put those Apple product releases in correct order, starting with the earliest. A, iPad. B, iPod. C, iPhone. Which one came first? Which one came second? Which one came third? Text the word gadget, followed by your three-character ABC answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30. Eight minutes. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network Rate, if you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network, full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Front page of the Times this morning, sun telling of the shooting at the Turkish holiday villa. It's a very strange uh, story. The gunman who committed the crime, uh, the one who allegedly committed the crime, even though it's over in Turkey, told police it was a crime of passion. Prince Charles out there with Penny Lancaster opening a prince's trust shop in the city of London. Unfortunately... Uh, Rod Stewart's uh, timekeeping was abysmal. Uh, He and Penny were late. They only live a mile away. They have a flat in Docklands, and it took them apparently three quarters of an hour to get there. Uh, He said to the prince, because, of course, it's unforgivable, and you'd have been executed years ago, you do not turn up after the royal family. It's as simple as that. So Prince Charles was left hanging around there while, uh, while Penny Lancaster, who towers above him, 
because she's a model, apparently, uh, was explaining how bad the traffic was. Well, they just get there quicker, don't you? Perhaps they could have gone on the bus or something. It was only the opening of a, a prince's trust shop. Uh, Miliband blinks, first in unions standoff. He retreated from a showdown with the unions. Uh, amid warnings, he would fail to secure curbs on their influence. Daily Star this morning, Corrie Star Michael, I'm in the clear and on the beer. Not guilty of all child sex charges. The Mirror, he's going to be keeping a scrapbook today. Corrie's Kev is cleared. It's over. I've lost two years of my life to this hell. People have been asking, you know, is there, is there a way that you sue the person who made these allegations in the first place? And the answer is no, you don't. You just, you just, uh, you know, just, just listen. Uh, you, just, you just sort of uh, watch and wait and, uh, and just be grateful for him. Just be grateful. Just be grateful. Daily Express this morning. New plastic banknotes could be filling our wallets within the next three years. Don't have a problem with that. They last longer. I've had some really dreadful £5 notes. Absolutely dreadful. Coronation Street, Michael Lavelle cleared of child sex charges. Uh, which didn't go on the front of the uh, the Daily Telegraph. They do run a nationwide scheme, a story of a nationwide scre- scheme, endorsed by David Cameron to plant millions of poppies across Britain to mark the centenary of the outbreak of First World War, has been refused a grant by the official organisation tasked with funding commemorations. The 2014 Real Poppy Project, run by a Royal British Legion branch, was singled out by the Prime Minister as a fitting way to mark next year's 100th anniversary. However, the Heritage Lottery Fund, which is distributing grants for centenary events, said because it was uh, expecting a high level of demand for grants, it had turned down the project. This is the one singled out by David Cameron. Anyway, apparently, the disclosure comes only a day after it emerged that the fund had awarded almost £100,000 to the Peace Pledge Union, which is a pacifist organisation, to raise awareness of the role of conscientious objectors during the war. Never heard of such a thing, have you, really? And yet they don't want poppies. Really ghastly. On whose head does that fall? Uh, Last night there were calls for the poppy project decision to be reversed. Bruce Simpson chairman of the Western Front Association, they've got 7,000 members, he says this absolutely has to be rethought. I can't understand the thinking behind it. It'll be some buffoon somewhere in an office going, oh, no, we're not going to do that. That's name and shame. That's what I think. In the, in the papers, they should definitely be naming and shaming. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. No, you do uh, ABC on the competition. You don't write down the uh, the items. So it's in the order. So that's why when I said A is iPad, B is iPod, C is iPhone, you just uh, you just write it down on there, either A, B and C, which order you think it comes in. Can't help you at all on that one, I'm afraid. Uh, the CPS seems to bring cases with no evidence. The reason the accused person is not the one. Colin Stagg, Bobby White, senior medical man... You know, prosecutor for child porn when there was none at all. His cards have been cloned and used by somebody else. They're quite clearly a little bit incompetent, aren't they? Don't seem to be the brightest pennies in the box, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, uh Oliver Reed was drunk and teased feminist Kate Millett on After Dark. Offensive but funny, says Cathy. And Richard said, these plastic banknotes, did you know you can shrink them to scale by putting them in a microwave for a few seconds? I wonder how many will get frazzled like that. Yes. Uh, and Mark says, I also saw Chris Fountain on Corrie. Uh, they're working six weeks back, remember. What you're seeing is stuff that was filmed six weeks ago. I think he was only suspended a few weeks back, so they, they would have recorded that. Um, and Lynn says, just a thought, a while ago I went through a clumsy stage. Uh, while at the doctor's, he looked in my ear, had slight inner ear infection, 
which upset my balance. Yes, did you realise that if, you know, with your hearing like that, it can upset your balance? I told you the story of years and years ago. I opened the boot of the car, and as I, I was leaning over it, it banged the top of my head, and I thought nothing about it for about five minutes. And then, unfortunately, I started going dizzy, so I sat down. I thought that was fine. The moment I stood up again, dizzy, sick, everything. Really, absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. Plastic banknotes you seem to like. You're also in some sort of um, dilemma over Obama's speech and exactly what it is he's been talking about. Uh, job seekers, 90 minutes to uh, to travel to increase confidence. Uh, they'll be talking to a, a lady with Nick Ferrari this morning called Emma, who lives in uh, Bexley. He commutes up to an hour and a half for interviews. And... Uh, she wants to work in publishing, and she will commute to central London to find a job, even though the costs are a real strain. And that's what most people do. I wouldn't have thought it was any hardship to commute for 90 minutes. Probably takes me... Well, it does, actually. It takes me more than 90 minutes to get home. If I leave here at 7 and uh, then get home, you know, just after 8. So it's, it's, it's the hour. The hour. Uh, plus, uh, <laughs> they're talking to a voice coach who's listened to Rachel. This is Rachel Reeves on Newsnight. And uh, is going to try and work out whether or not she's might not be boring. She might not be not presenting herself very well. Then they talk to a behaviour expert, and uh, and why can't we name the victim? They'll be asking on the breakfast show. Big question you're all uh, asking here. Uh, Barbara Dudley, a counsellor with vast experiences, she says if you stay anonymous, it means you can never stand and be counted, which can be frustrating as it could be an opportunity for closure. So that's all with Nick Ferrari and the team this morning on 97.3. You've literally only got uh, a little bit longer to, uh, to get your entries in for the, uh, for the competition. If you want to have a go at winning the brand new iPhone 5S with the fingerprint scanner. That's the one you want to go for this morning. So get those entries in as quick as possible because it's, uh, the lines are going to close in about a minute and a half. So starting with the earliest, put these Apple iPad products in the order that they came out. A, iPad, B, iPod, C, iPhone. Which one came first? So you've got to rearrange the ABCs. You text the word gadget, followed by your three-character ABC answer. Send it to 84850 before 6.30. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online, lbc.co.uk. Quite a day, isn't it, for, um, well, for not just Michael Lavelle, but also for, for Obama. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. We'll have a free podcast for you up in less than 30 minutes. Have a great day. Nick and the team with you at 7. Coming up next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.